Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. on Jay White, Lucy. Shit wispy beard. Shit hair. Shit jacket. Probably would be quite attractive if he shaved that wispy pube beard off and cut his hair. Shit jacket. Really shit. Horrible entrance. Um, and also, like, mismatch with the guy he comes on with who's dressed like he's in, like, some kind of weird 90s rap battle band. Like he's in Run DMC or something. Yeah. Because if he's meant to be, like, a rocker... Then, which I'm assuming from the knives he is. The knives? Yeah, like the weird knife he yeah. has. And actually, you probably could argue that that would encourage knife crime, which is the last thing we need. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and what sort of pub would he drink in? Wheat Chief. What sort of pub? Do, I, do I need to... Oh, um, so it's, so I think the, probably the thing it sells most would be like snake bite or yeah. cider and black. Yeah. Are they the same thing? I don't know. Um, and it's just full of like dweebs with um, long wispy pube beards, long hair, and like trench coats to their ankles. And they're you know, like Nick Cotton jackets. Yeah, Nick Cotton jackets. And they're, you know, they've all been going there because they think they're on like the edge of society, but actually they just don't want to wash a lot. And that's what JY is, you reckon? Yeah. Okay, thanks for that. No problem. This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Beto. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And how are you, lads? Not too bad. Um, I would say not too bad. I got absolutely pissed on in this godforsaken weather that's going on <laughs> this weekend. So uh, that wasn't particularly fun, going home absolutely drenched. It was the moment I left work, whereas Joe works later than me tonight. So, and well, he I also have to get a bus. Yeah. If you waited, I'd give you a lift. I didn't realise that was going to happen at that point. I was just kind of out so there you go you did it yourself yeah but it's it's not been fun being outside it was quite nice and sunday going yep i'm gonna do as little outside as humanly possible what was it you described the weather to me yesterday as biblical it was biblical (laughs) it was oh yeah god the trees around there were starting to go i was bit worried at one point the tree right outside my balcony i went oh christ this could get messy well religious bloke like you probably got excited didn't you <laughs> not not religious <laughs> uh, you had your Catholic i was brought stuff, up as a Catholic. Yep, yeah yep, all holy, of that stuff holy communion holy communion yeah you're not going yeah. every sunday jp no no absolutely not no i think not a church confession's due mate <laughs> it's well overdue if that's the case and I don't think I can get myself out of it, right? It, all the things I'd have to go through. So <laughs> that sounds awful. It's I'll not come, dead bodies or anything. If you need someone to come with you, I'll come with if you want. Can we record and it and make it like and a I'll bonus? And I'll bring a recorder. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Patreon. Um, there you go. There's money in that. Yeah. What me in confession? God. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you as the Pope, I'd be up for that. <laughs> You're the best Catholic I know. <laughs> as in the worst. 
a lot of bad Catholics out there. All their oh. Boston priests. Mm. Jesus. <laughs> There's plenty of that nonsense. How do we start on that? I don't know. Straight into the Catholicism. <laughs> Talking of rapists, Michael Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how quick it come up. Two minutes, Joe. Well done. Oh, fucking hell. I couldn't finish it. I honestly haven't finished the document. If anyone hasn't seen it, watch it. But fuck me, that's hard going, that Barrymore documentary. What channel was it on? Four. Channel oh, Four. Yeah. yeah, I watched it on the And day. I'd kind of, I, I won't lie, I wouldn't let's say I was like a Barrymore, uh, do you know what? I was a big Strike It Lucky fan. <laughs> and the kind of him doing the, the stand-up stuff mm. on the shows, like the Saturday Night Entertainment, where he's in the crowd and all that bollocks. Um I, I really wasn't that bothered by it necessarily, but big strike it lucky. Stuff my nan loved. Like, mm. thought he was like cheeky, hilarious. Like, old ladies loved Barrymore. Yeah. Like, adored him. Yeah. And, but at the same time, when I thought all this, so I was like, nah, Barrymore's all right. He hasn't done it. Well, I tell you <laughs> fucking what. And I messaged, you saw the messages that we had between. I was like, oh my God, I've over-egged this. Like the entire two days before at work, I didn't even know this was a thing until you told me at work in our office. And the two days of lunchtimes are based around Barrymore chat and the build-up to the show. But you go, Barrymore didn't do it. He's all right, Barrymore. And then... <laughs> Friday, when we all came into work, it was like, he did it. Yeah. And then Schofield came out, and my conspiracy was, hmm, Schofield and Barrymore, something going on there. <laughs> you, you describe Barrymore as your OJ, JP? You're like, you know, I, the, uh, I said the exact same. The, the community just don't want to, just don't want to accept that, that, that OJ could have possibly done it. Yeah. He's a big hero, you know, is, is Barrymore your guy? Is that what it is, JP? Joe said that tonight. He's the he's the he's the British OJ. Well, do you know what? I feel like um, who is it? The Kardashians' dad at the very end when he's realised Kardashian. That's right. When he's realised that the I was going to say David Schwimmer from that <laughs> cracking show, but unless you've seen it, it won't make any sense. It's anyway, a very good show. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Oh, re- a lot better than any right to be. Mm. And digress. Barrymore. Um, yeah, Kardashian at the end of that, when he realises that OJ has done it because the blood evidence and the rest of it and his reaction to it, I feel a bit like that. I feel like just chronically let down. <laughs> Unless out of some wacky chain. I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, like the detail this show goes into. Joe said it at the start. Like, I'm not saying you expect it to be a laugh necessarily. But my God, it gets dark pretty quickly. The first 10 minutes were a laugh. Like mm, that yeah. drag pub, the way he came out was my favourite. When he runs in the audience and he's just pulling women to the floor and he's oh, just like, yeah, what yeah. the f... It doesn't age well. But mm. his coming out is the best coming out of any man, <laughs> yeah. any man ever. I was like that, like, what was it, New York, New York. Like, yeah. I'm spread, start spreading the news, I'm gay, throws his wedding ring down. Brilliant. <laughs> like, what a way to announce yourself. None of this Schofield live on TV, which, you know, <laughs> was quite heartfelt and all the rest of it, and fair play to him, you know. It's none of our business. Yeah. But at the same time, Barrymore, proper going for it, a bit of action with his coming out. I thought, good work, Mike. But then obviously, <laughs> you know, led down a dark path. Also, the fuck was he doing in a nightclub of 49 years old, especially that nightclub in Essex? I'd understand if he was a, I don't know, um, tramp with Prince Andrew or something, one of those exclusive <laughs> members clubs. But some shithole looking club, like Jumping Jacks in Southampton, that club he was in. Tragic. You've only got nine years to go, JP. It'll be you. 
It's it's not me. It's it's no no. So stop with that bollocks right now. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm never going to own a swimming pool. Which was that was one of his arguments. He can't swim, and I thought, why do you own a fucking swimming pool? And it makes no sense. Like Prince Andrew doesn't sweat. Yeah, uh, exactly. And he can remember, can't remember some basic details, but he can definitely remember that branch of Pizza Express in Woking, which has some <laughs> great reviews if you go to TripAdvisor. Oh, it's full of them, isn't it? I don't think people yeah. have stopped. Highly recommend it. But yeah, um, Barry Moore, he, he did it. Yeah. yeah. Or he, well, actually, the thing we came to is they all know what happened and none yeah. of them... Let's not say he did it. it. Let's just say yeah. it happened and... He's, he knows what happened. He knows yeah. what happened. It's like the Stephen Lawrence murder. We're all well, them lads. We're all keeping shtum mm. and none of them are getting prosecuted. But they all know what happened all along. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Five John Terry's, them lads. I was thought, remember the clips from going to court? Like, yeah. Looking all bullshit. Oh. I was thought, if you say John Terry and just put him into that like situation, <laughs> he'd really fit in. <laughs> His family as well. He would. Yeah. So would Lee Bowyer. Yeah, I could see that. Well, Lee Bowie was a bit of a racist, wasn't he, back in it the was, day as well? Yeah. And Terry with the old uh, Anton Ferdinand and Jody Morris and that bar as well. Yeah. That? Anyway, what are we talking about? <laughs> do do I you remember it happening like at the time, the whole Barrymore stuff? Yeah. I remember because like, he was like a big hey. hero, wasn't he? Like, uh, like you said, the Nan's hero. My Nan fucking loved him. Oh, yeah. Michael Barrymore's My Kind of Music around my nan's house on a Sunday night. That was a staple back in the day. I used to love it. Mm. Uh, I was gutted when it, when it happened, but it was kind of like, fucking hell, Barrymore. But biggest news of all for me, <laughs> this one was happened the same weekend as WrestleMania 17. Like, what fucking weekend that was? <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't connect those two things. We were talking on BWE like this well, week about all, like... Uh, most of my life's memories come along with wrestling. Like, I can't really tell you what I did in 1993, but I can tell you what was happening in the WWF in 1993 and work my way backwards. I don't remember Barrymore and uh, WrestleMania 17 being the same weekend. We also lost 3-0 to Ipswich, and Marcus Stewart's got a hat-trick of Adele on the same weekend. Yeah. <laughs> that good season he had. When he scored, like, 25 well, that season. There is a kind of link to wrestling when, th- when we were discussing this earlier, because... Mm. Barrymore was on Celebrity Big Brother, which they go into. Oh, uh, that bit when he got out of the car. I don't know why. I found it hilarious. It was like the big comeback. It felt like what Hogan, like, you know, when he was back in Saudi Arabia and then back at Mania last year. Very much the same sort of narcissistic kind of egotism to like, I'm back announcing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. But who was he in the the, um, Celebrity Big Brother house that year? Dennis Rodman. (laughs) Exactly. So you link that to WCW. What had happened not long before Mania? WWE oh, should have got Rodman in, to be honest with you. Oh, I wish we have had a mistake amazing. getting him in. Yeah. That would have been awesome. <laughs> uh, like, on, on like the wrestling front, like you mentioned um, Schofield before, and I always think of like his comeback as like a, like, do you remember, like, I don't know if, are you old enough, uh, Joe, for like Gordon the Gopher and that area? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, I had a Gordon Schofield. the Gopher toy with oh, a little leather too. jacket on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had one of the ones where like you, you, you basically make the puppet yourself. But I remember it like, him and like his generation of like nineties like TV stars, they kind of went away. And you're like, I was, I think it's similar to like the attitude there. You know, we got into the late nineties and like, you know, Channel Four were were pushing boundary with like late night TV and all of these like, you know, these heroes of the nineties kind of got lost to this new generation. And it was only like in the two thousands when 
or as we all got older and we all got nostalgic that tv started bringing these people back and Schofield kind of got got his pride of place back on tv again and kind of became a big star again did he did he uh, ever leave tv i thought he was always on tv he was on tv but he kind of had that period like in the late 90s early 2000s where like he wasn't getting picked for for big stuff but not just him you know that kind of generation of tv star and then like all like literally the last 15 20 years of mainstream tv at least in the uk like the, the the fluff tv a lot of it is nostalgia i think there's a lot of rest in that in that like where oh yeah it's it's us who were younger then who were watching gordon the gopher wanting to see like these stars from our youth make these big comebacks and wanting to see like pj and duncan get back on top and and things like that. oh no they've always been on they've never (laughs) they've always yeah they've been on fire haven't they why hasn't anyone worked them into an angle it's ridiculous like like oh god yeah she did didn't she who did dixie Oh, Which is yeah, related. Of course. But even Ants won, you know, down period. The press were like on his side for drink driving and having like addiction mm. problems and all Imagine sorts. Imagine that was someone else. Imagine. Yeah, they're all, they're a couple of golden boys. Them too. Look, I get what you're saying, Benno, but there's not been a proper return of Les Dennis yet. <laughs> and Davidson yeah. is in the doldrums just, you know, hanging out no. with Nigel Farage and promoting weird racist shit. So, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Would you be conflicted by a return for Big Break? Oh, I love Big Break. Big Break's great bit of TV. Comes what back I'm... with Davidson hosting. Like, I hate Jim Davidson. The man's a twat. But think of the entertainment... Well, there's the added bonus Look, of him being local as well. Think of the entertainment value. Me and you are going to get a Jim Davidson hosting Big Break in 2020. It would. Be, it's the, the wrestling equivalent of putting Jim Cornette on commentary. It's going to go <laughs> wrong at some point as well, isn't it? I think Cornette's better than Davidson. Cornette's got more to offer than Jim Davidson <laughs> What does Jim Davidson have to offer? Did he serve in the military, by the way? Jim Davis. He never fucking shuts up about it, does he? Jesus. Yeah, he does love the troops, doesn't he? Christ. Yeah, oh. you wouldn't know it, would you? There's something about Bobby Davro and um, Barrymore trying on with him as well, wasn't there? I, somebody, Did he uh, what was that, Bobby Davro and what? There was a front page bit in the documentary where it, Bobby oh, Davro really complains that Barrymore, when Michael Barrymore came out, that he tried to pinch his ass <laughs> and he was in, like, in the sun. It's when they're going through the bit with the horrible tabloid guy hmm. who just... Is he's kind of brutally honest, but it's just like kind of listening to a demon tell you about how evil they are with absolutely zero conscience. Yeah, um, it's it's like so, um, um, oh, what's his name? The devil, Stephen French. Like apparently he claims that he was a uh, <laughs> that he was abused as a kid by uh, by old Jim will fix it. Uh, apparently that's a thing. Really? That's what he says, but he says a lot of things. I don't <laughs> think that's true. Is he anywhere near you, Ben Oaks? Well, I wouldn't mind seeing seeing where he's he just on another tour of Liverpool next time. He might be back in prison, but maybe we could get him out for uh, for Love of Wrestling in April. Get him out with the lads. Oh. <laughs> what TNT should give him a run? Yeah, there's money in there. I'd be well I like that would get me to a TNT show. Him versus Nick Gage or something in that death match tournament. Like that's a match I'd book. Yeah, push the irony. It could work. There's money in there. Oh. Did you see that for the? What do you reckon of that for Love of Wrestling lineup? Um, Raven is the in the RVD slot is the man who you might get a lot of shit out of. Um, it's good to see that Ted DiBiase Jr. is to keep his old man on the leash this time. So, <laughs> um, I'm not that. saying anything, um, but it feels like that booking might have been one that the old man might have pushed for his son because you know he you know was a bad man last time. Nasty boys up for that. I'm getting a photo um, with the nasty boys and, and uh, Jimmy Hart nailed on. Are these photos free? 
No, it, yeah, I've got to pay for like the proper ah. photos. It depends though. Oh, like, you can talk your way in. Like we got a freebie with oh, Sid. We uh, at the convention itself. We'll see them all in the bar after Joe. We'll be we'll be out drinking with them all. You know, That's what I was thinking. If I see um, if I see Rick Steiner afterwards, or if I see uh, Mr. Wall Street afterwards, I'll try and you know cop a photo. Then Axe and Smash might be up for a cheeky one as well. I reckon. <laughs> um, no interest in Candice Michelle or. Tory Wilson or Tito Santana or El Hebner, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but Tatanka, that's all right. Medusa, all right. Tugboat. Uh, Fra- Fred Ottman. Yeah. Uh, Shockmaster. Shockmaster. Yeah, he's all right. No problem with that. <laughs> We're not getting paid for this, by the way, but if someone does want to give us free tickets, we'll take them. If I go and I see Goldberg in that bar, I'm going to make a point of going over and saying, Goldberg, mate, Matt Riddle, come on, put him <laughs> over. Come on. And I think we should all do it one by one and just be like, look, you may think we're a bunch of marks, mate, but Matt Riddle. Yeah. I, I love that Riddle's been, like, clearly been told to stop. And, like, there's news stories about all the heat on him, and he just doesn't stop. Like, he's literally still calling out Brock. I love that about him. Great, man. I, I like the idea of him doing this. Mm. Just, like, fuck him. And it'll work, and it'll get him more over. Mm. And it's just, like, I like the idea that he's just fundamentally determined. And it's not like he's not been fired from companies before. Hmm. I think he gives less of a shit about stuff like that. Well, I think he's just saying, I'm going to go for broke here. And if it yeah. doesn't work out for me, fuck it, I'll be off. And it's their fault and it's their loss. Because it is. Hmm. It's their own ignorant fault. It's the fault of the likes of Lesnar and Goldberg, if this isn't a work, well, for hmm. being so ignorant and up their own asses and stuck in a different generation when it comes to alpha maleism. But they can't see that this bloke is proper but because he's got long hair and smokes a bit of weed unfortunately you know he's not pounding the protein shakes with them and you know really playing it up now aren't they as well yeah like kind of very too ott i'd argue with it as well at the same time yeah um but you know you know like triple h has got riddles back though as well like i think there's that too like it obviously at the point that vince collapses from those all that weight he's carrying on his broad shoulders and, uh, and triple h takes oh. over triple h must see the star and riddle uh i think that i think he knows he's safe he's never getting sacked at worst he's just going to be on nxt forever um and he's pushing i wish more wrestlers kind of had that attitude of riddle uh, and push to get themselves over yeah well riddle's got balls mm. massive fucking balls as jp quite well knows um <laughs> and he's going to use them to you know say fuck it to him and I just think fair play to him and mm. it's the fact that you know the likes of Vince are like get in line rather than actually sort of acknowledging that someone's making an effort here and trying to break through he's trying to grab the brass ring but you know is he allowed them. to grab the brass fucking ring because does it exist or is it going to happen in sort of like a year's time by which the kind of the, the horrible thing they'll do whatever they can to kind of make people lose their sheen by 50 50 feuds and the rest of it because there is that theory out there going oh this is like the build-up to the big push but i mean how many times have we been down this road is before? the build-up to a big push getting knocked out of a royal rumble by baron corbett in 10 well seconds, that was it, it it appeared to be i imagine just to get some kind of re it was the idea was to get the reaction from us yeah exactly and that's, I mean, and it's funny, like you mentioned about the conference call and hearing that side of Vince, the proper bullshit merchant, <laughs> any difficult question about, like, is it anything related to the quality of the product? No. And it's him not accepting it. And what was the state phrase he said? Like, I mean, any, anyone would come and work for us. I mean, come <sighs> on. 
And he just like, oh, fuck what, off. That was said. Yeah. I was listening to it live on Thursday. This is like the WWE conference call to investors. And like he said something like, they asked him about AEW. And he was so, he said something like, oh, you know, well, I wouldn't say we're competing with them because, you know, we've got, we've got, st- it's all about storylines and, and resolutions uh, that we've got that they don't. And I'm like, fuck me. If anyone's listening to this piece, half a bit of attention, you'd know the amount of bullshit that's in that statement. But they get away with it. Yeah. And they get away with it because it's just like, it just kind of ends. Mm. They, all they do is they, they ask him about something reasonably difficult and it never gets mentioned. So oh. Saudi's never something that ever gets brought, it's not brought up on there at all. I mean, it's all lost in the, the idea of how many social media hits they get, which doesn't translate to <laughs> real money, well, does it? So who's in on these conference calls actually so listening? Like, shareholders. shareholders. Yeah, it's yeah. shareholders and like, you know, the, the companies who represent shareholders, yeah, analysts, yeah, yeah. that type so of thing. So why don't these major companies have this money behind it? Why don't they just listen to this podcast? Yeah, <laughs> us, like, get, put us on the payroll and the next time one of these meetings comes up, give us a backhander. And I'll break down and give them the truth on every statement he's, he's sort of putting out there. I'll give them proper evidence. I'll show them video evidence. I'll show them written evidence. Prove them all wrong. And they can just question him a bit more. Or they can put me in the room, give me a microphone, yeah. and I'll just challenge him on every point. Yeah. The thing is, I don't think they're even... I don't think they're interested. Yeah, they're just not interested in questioning well, him. I, I, the share price has fallen through the fucking roof. Yeah, and I'd say this... It's 50% in like a year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this is probably not the best example of that either because I did feel like they did push more than normal, mainly on the XFL because they're all paranoid that he's off, like, um, taking, like, f- not funds from WWE, but, like, resource from WWE to start XFL. And, like, it was absolutely, like, at one point, like, somebody directly asked them about it, like, Vince, how are you going to split your time, considering the fact that you've just sacked, like, the two highest-ranking people in WWE. So you're not only, like, taking over that work, but you're also launching this XFL thing. And, like, Vince, like, without missing a beat, was like, oh, they're, he kept going on about it. They're separate entities, and they're, they're, they're separate entities, and I, you know, I have very broad shoulders, and I'll be able to carry that work out. But, again, they are separate entities. But if you want, you can watch the XFL launching this yep. Saturday afternoon. It was like it was so Vincent Man getting that plug in, but also like just lying out of, out of the other side of his face that it's not going to have like any effect. Like it's it's genuinely in the filings that you can see they've put like a a few million aside. The XFL have paid WWE for like I think it's quote unquote like consultant services where they've basically hmm. used WWE staff to get off the ground um, and, and use like resource from WWE and have paid them back. But like it's all so fucking shady because at the end of the day, Vince basically I think he sold the XFL trademark for like no money to to Alpha Entertainment. That's kind of the uh, the shell company behind XFL at a time when what was that other football league that tried to launch? JP it was like the, the AAF. AAF. Yeah, that's it. The AAF. That's it. Yeah, I think they wanted like they were willing to pay like fifty million for it. So some investor fund are actually suing WWE right now, kind of saying, well. You, you know, you, you sold this to, to yourselves essentially for nothing when we could have made a healthy profit on it. It definitely felt like there was a, without like the two big executives there and Vince in a room on his own with maybe a more junior executive, 
it felt the most panicked I've ever heard one of these conference calls be. And like, you know, that led to the whole you know, talk about stripping off the WWE network and all that stuff. But it really felt for me like the it wasn't one of those ones where they were able to bullshit the investors. And it was one where they did sound like they were on the back foot and they were kind of running to find any kind of good news aside from, you know, those sizable TV contracts to explain why pretty much every other metric is falling. Yeah. And there's been the way it's got kind of um, proper like mainstream coverage. So I like saw a video like CNBC, which obviously a lot of financial analysts have on. There's a guy called Jim Cramer. You might have seen him in sort of clips on social media and the rest. He's kind of a wacky financial analyst, but he's a re in that world. Like mm. he has a degree of importance and he was talking about it and about the kind of idea of freaking out. Like, why do you do this? This doesn't happen in these kind of companies they have a structure in place they have people in place to take over and they haven't got that and it doesn't make any sense and that kind of irrationality that vince has always kind of gotten away with Mm. well within this world if you're a publicly traded company you can't fucking behave like that regardless if you want to is not a good enough reason and there was like another article i saw i think cnn had covered it as well just about things going worse on it and and you know these are proper mainstream outlets. And then what ends up happening is regardless of whether or not this is the narrative that's actually true, it this becomes the narrative. Mm. And if investors start to get spooked by it, then it might go down. And it depends on, like, obviously now there's the talk, like, what's going to be happening with the network and what they're going to do. Is it going to become basically more like Fight Pass, which mm. is lots of smaller promotions and an archive? Mm. Yeah, and, and from, everything else is going to be outsourced and sold to what they were describing as the majors, weren't they? So they're talking the like majors. Vince at- kept saying that the majors, like proper nineties. I think he's talking about Netflix <sighs> and other streaming services. But I love that the majors. Yeah, it's still ninety-seven in his head. That's where <laughs> he lives. Well, really, in his head, it's eighty-three. Yeah, isn't it? that's really where his fucking mind is at. But yeah, he was, I mean, and that's all adds to the uncertainty. And you've got this incredibly erratic person at the center of it all who's never willing to kind of cede control and thinks he can do these two jobs at once, which is insane for someone who should be nowhere near any business aspect of the company at this stage because his time has well and truly passed. Mm. And if you look at like, and we mentioned it last week, you look at the way the ratings have fallen and the rest of it. It's been such a monumental failure these last five years in particular. And I know they'll look at the financial aspect. Said it a while ago, num- things start to go really wrong and numbers drop at Fox. There's an L. And at that point then, like, if it becomes what is considered to be sort of really damaged goods, then where does it go? Because mm. there's a lot of incidents. There was even a story about Amazon wanting to buy them, wasn't there? Yeah, that's kind of doing the rounds, like Jeff Bezos mm-hmm. being interested. And yeah, I think... That's what it felt like the biggest thing. That Saudi deal fall through, though, for Amazon. Well, the, you know, Bezos and the and oh, yeah. MBS at the moment. Yeah, that could cause an issue, definitely. I mean, thing is, the Saudis are months behind on paying them, too. That's the other thing. It is yeah. quite interesting. When you see, like, the, the stats of how much money they made in which quarter, the quarters with, like, a big Saudi show, like, stand out. They make, like, ten times the profit they do any other quarter. But, yeah, for the last two, the Saudis have been months behind. But, you know, that had nothing to do with their plane getting stranded last time. Nothing at all. There's no, there's no, there's nothing suspicious about that relationship there at all. No. When is the next uh, Blood Money show? It's coming up, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I know it's, yeah. Is it 28th? 
Okay. Something like it's like last weekend in the month. Goldberg mm. versus the Fiend. That's right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That'll sort the revenue out. Uh, what would you make on like the network stuff then? Because I think that's like that's the biggest talking point coming out of it. If we want to talk it as like a, a news story, because yeah, I, I I mean from a purely business point of view, like it does make sense because really, how many network subscribers have we got? Like a million and a half. And how many? It's less than that now, isn't it? Yeah, it's like one point four. I think one point four. Yeah, one point four. It is. And like, I remember when they first launched, and they were talking about how they were gonna like year one, one million; year two, three million; year four, five million; year six, profit. And it was just like any wrestling fan could. We're in year six now, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Year seven. No, it was. It launched the month me and my girlfriend got together. So six years. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind. It's kind of shocking that it's been going that long though. But yeah, that was the idea, and they've never. They've barely broken two million at any any given point. And I was one of the people at the start, like from a fan point of view, back when I did watch WWE shows, and I will watch Mania and the Rumble and SummerSlam and stuff. I was like, yeah, it's great. We're all getting this for nine ninety nine. But if you had any kind of business now surely you know that at least i would say at least a million of those people maybe just a touch less would pay for a wwe network like the fight pass where you do get you know all of the archive stuff maybe you get the takeovers maybe you get progress and evolve and wxw and ott and whatever Mm -hmm. else kind of fits in but like the pay-per-views at least the big ones are separate like i always thought from the start they could have done that and they have as ufc have proven over like the last what five years there's so much profit they, they've kind of left behind. Like, for, for all this talk about Vince being this super businessman, for them to now, five years later, kind of realise their mistake. And and also, you know, if they do go back on their things, that they don't really care about it, but they're going to cause all kinds of bad will with fans. But again, since when have they gave a fuck about that? It kind of tells you, like, everything about Vince McMahon as a businessman, that, yeah, it took them five years to get to this point. Well, they've completely devalued pay-per-view mm. as well, though. So they need to really, you know, build up their pay-per-views to feel like they're something special but valuable if they're expecting people to actually pay for two services, network, and then whatever service they're going to be on. Mm. And if you've got to pay an extra price to watch those shows each month, they've got to really be worth it if they're kind of outsourcing it. And I just can't see that changing because really, at the moment, let's be honest, WWE shows are a justification of one man's whims and a bloated writing team. Mm. Like It feels like each mm. show is there to justify the existence of a group of writers and matches often exist to justify the existence of an agent or a or whoever's putting the match. Producer, they call them now, don't <laughs> they? Whereas it doesn't feel like anything ever happens that is to the advantage or to the kind of, you know thought and feeling of the actual wrestlers and the fans if anything and until that happens and they change the entire structure Mm. of how the creative in the company is run and how wrestlers are actually pushed and presented I can't see how this is going to catch on because if it does catch on it basically proves that a lot of people are idiots yeah it does (laughs) and I think that's the thing though they don't give a fuck like what do we know about WWE they don't give a fuck about fans or about you know, the up, the, not the upset, but you know what I mean? The bad feeling, the more... Do they don't mind being the heels in their own fans' eyes? They don't care. They'll, they'll be fine with it as long as they make their, their cheap profit, as long as they get their extra... As long as, basically, at this point, they sell these rights to whoever it is, you know, Netflix or that NBC. I think the the lead runners are like that NBC streaming service, isn't it? That's going to... I think they... The Peacock. Peacock, which has got like a... Pres- apparently, it's going to have a presence in the UK as well. That... 
you know, uh, what's what is the zone? I think is it is another front runner, something like that. Really though, for the WWE, and I heard voices of wrestling say this, and I think it's completely to the point. WWE are going to make a few hundred million on this sale. They're going to make more money than they would from whatever network subscribers they lose over the year, and they're just going to count the money. They're going to be able to say to shareholders, "Look at all this extra money we got on top of all our Saudi blood money and our TV deals," and then it's over to whatever company it is, whether they make a profit or not. They don't really care. They can sell pay-per-views for 50 quid a month and none of us will buy it. But WWE have got the money at that point. So it's like, again, it's just an easy way for Vince to profit and to satisfy the shareholders. And fuck knows what it actually means for for fans and what a a revamp network looks like, which they won't drop the price on. I've seen people say that. Surely they'll drop the price. They won't. They'll charge you the same amount of money for less stuff. That is, it is the WWE after all. But they don't care. They'll have the money and they can run. And I think that's exactly what this move is. Yeah, to be honest, I can't wait till we get a stabilization of the kind of the streaming world, mm. streaming services, and the willingness that they've got to pay out for content in order to get a head start while they go into massive debt and deficit mm. in order to pay for the service. You know, once this starts leveling out a little bit more, hopefully there won't be as much guaranteed money for companies like this. Mm. Because at the end of the day, I think it just makes them lazy, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because they've got that guaranteed money and it's all about pleasing the shareholders, if mm. anything. And there's no interest in fans. There's no interest in actual wrestlers, I don't think, either. And at the end of the day, who's happy other than the shareholders, really? Mm. And they don't seem too happy this week, if anything. So. As, as long as the dividends come, I think that that's, that's always been the bottom line whenever it's came to, to a lot of their business decisions on this. It's interesting as well, because even if they go down the route of, I mean, what a lot was made of obviously double or nothing got a hundred thousand buys and then the um what was it full gig on a hundred thousand and then there was some kind of slight disappointment around that but that's a good healthy pay-per-view base on which to go oh the, and, the blood and guts promotion jp is that what you're talking about for fuck's sake <laughs> like you got another one of them lines and it was something like oh well we mate, do we do pg it's like, yeah, of course you he do, mate. I've seen your last year. ECW. Again, yeah. he's stuck in 97. He's got yeah. no concept of it anyway. Yeah. And that's it, isn't it? It's like fundamentally the world of wrestling is, it, it's, <clears throat> what, it doesn't exist in his head. What percentage of the shares does Vince own? Uh, at this stage, I know he sold a load, didn't he? To I think he's got yeah, more than. I think he's like just over the fifty percent points. I think when uh, he sold yes. them, he dropped down to like fifty-one percent yeah. or something like I was, that. I was going to say, is it fifty-one? Because I was, I was thinking to myself, imagine if um, Tony Khan's dad gave him enough money that he could have bought up the forty-nine percent of shares. Uh, and, I mean, it was Tone forty-nine percent, Vince fifty-one percent. It would have been a fascinating situation, <laughs> wouldn't it? Uh, really, I mean, the amount of money old Chad's got. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this point. but <laughs> Well, they're off to a good start, though. I mean, he seems pretty happy, Shard Khan. And he will be because they're profitable by the end of their first year, which is an incredible position to be in for and, them. And he's going to put his car to good use. And I was going to think as well, and at, at some point, like one of the things that's, that's really noticeable is just the erosion of that fan base, how low it is going to end up going over time and how low it has gone. And that the things they can do to boost that audience are very, very short term. A very, very short termism edge is the kind of latest example of that, of needing some people to come back because it's the kind of permanent nostalgia show. And they're not going to be able to do that forever. 
Um, they got three so people under contract right now, JP. Like, if anyone, try, anyone tries to tell you they're not hoarding people because they're scared of AEW or they're scared of an edge going elsewhere, just show them that number. I think they went from, since the start of the network, they've gone from having 150 wrestlers under contract to 300. Like, that just tells you... To, apparently, that's part of the reason the, uh, the two executives left as well. Um, was that like Vince apparently wants they wanted the basic they wanted to make a profit you know like actual business people I think Meltzer reported and Vince just wants to tie up everybody and put the money back into talent I stop people going to AEW or elsewhere like yeah if anyone tries to tell you that's not a thing just look at the pure numbers I'd love to, what did WCW have at their height when they were stockpiling talent? Interesting, in yeah. Night seven. When I'd, had, I'd like, like to see you stand there. They had like those lads that who was it like that was that it was under contract and everyone just forgot. Wasn't it like Nanny Barry Dorso or Poffo? Yeah, I'm sure Dorso might have been one as well. Oh yeah, mate, I think if you was. watch any of those world, uh, what is it? Um, oh, what is it? Uh, world War Three pay per views, mm. the three ring, sixty man ones, where it's just the biggest clusterfuck of all time. But I think Lanny Poffo was on three quarters of a million a year. Yeah, for uh, several years, it was. And a, he never made an appearance. Same thing with the Iron Sheik. Oh, was he under contract? Iron Sheik was under contract, and I, I think they may well have used him once. I'm just trying to think. I can't see uh, a kind of categorical list on this front. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, because that's what you always used to hear, wasn't it, about mm. WCW hoarding talent, not using them properly in sort of the late 90s. And, yeah, this is way beyond that. I doubt it'd be 100, it? even at that kind of zenith. Mm. Like, at that point, there isn't anything that's, yeah, I'm struggling with it. I can't find don't, any don't of worry, them. Don't worry, But even then... Fine. Three times the amount of that. A lot of people we never see. A lot of the people they end up signing who are the kind of the people they find from the, either the the fitness world or from like from American football or basketball. Like Babatunde Ayagabushi or whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, like him. Yeah. And they... or, um, that guy, uh, what's his name? Dan Maffer. That's he's probably even he's probably more pushed than a lot of the other people who are there, and it's mm. taken him what three, four years to get to this point. Yeah, or he appeared in the first Saudi show, didn't he? It took Ridge Holland a while, or Daniel Vidot, talking of ex uh, sportsman. Oh that yeah. One? yeah, 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 yeah. The rugby league player. Never heard about these lads, do you? What are they do? <laughs> push, think- push ups. Well, this I think actually, funny enough, he's one of the ones that is kind of spoke that that there's been little tidbits about him doing all right in the PC and the rest of it. I reckon Tim Thatcher's got- in hip hip toss class right now as we speak. I think that's really. Yeah. Oh, is, has there been any announcement of what his role is? Nothing. No, no. Uh, I could imagine play, play uh, player trainer or something like that, but no, no more news. Has V ever done the like? Um, Lakeland, Florida, or Chris Clearwater, Florida no. type shows. No, he's, he's just PC far. doing, yeah. doing stuff. Mm. But he's had to learn from scratch, hasn't he? Just because he's a rugby league. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's been a couple of years now. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where a lot of people are, aren't they? They're just sort of there and then they may disappear. They might, and, and it's. Might get an evolve run every now and then. Well, and it's all of the kind of homegrown people that really. I just don't think it's worked for them. In, in large numbers of cases. Now, I'm not saying... What does that say about the sound of the training they're getting there? Well, that's the kind of other thing you wonder, because a lot of the people who end up getting in are already established independent talent, where mm. there's relatively little to do in terms of they, being able to train them. They actually list on their, you know, their list of, like, they've got a thing on the on the report, like the, the annual report, where it talks about all the, the percentage of their talent that came from NXT, and it lists something daft, like 80% of the roster were developed in NXT. And it lists names, and it's like, such as, and it lists a few NXT names, and then in there, Shinsuke Nakamura. 
developed by the <laughs> NXT. <laughs> he like, was, wasn't he? He was nobody before he, uh, he went to full sale, mate. Digressed in NXT. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. He did. Did you did you see the Suzuki interview, Joe? That the kind of did the rounds where he was talking about like Moxley no. to build up that feud, and he he said something along the lines of like he was having a go at WWE, kind of saying like you know they they've gone into other territories and kind of ripped them apart, but like in Japan oh. we're not going to allow that to happen. Was basically the, the crux <laughs> of his interview, and like he was saying oh. like the, the difference in Japan is that like and the difference he thinks in like good training is like if you if you bring people in and I think he was alluding to what WWE is, and try and make them good at everything, they're good at nothing. And he was kind of in a backwards way, putting Moxley over, kind of saying, you know, he's not a good technical wrestler, he's not good at this, he's not good at that, but because he's imperfect, he's perfect, was kind of the quote. That's what makes an actual good wrestler. Oh, man, and there's you... beauty and imperfection. I've yes, that's that. exactly what he said, yeah. something along those lines. And it was just a, it's a brilliant interview. It's on New Japan's actual website if anyone wants to check it out. But he basically just has a go, yeah, at the whole system of homogenizing wrestling and making everything the same. And he was kind of making the point that, yeah, Japan is different because of this. And basically, we're not going to lie down like the Brits and just take it. Um, and fucking, oh, well, I'll, fucking I'll be honest, I'm looking at JP right now. And I'm like, he doesn't look like Randy Orton, but is he a beautiful man? Absolutely. Because <laughs> the imperfection that I see in JP is what makes him beautiful. Yeah, I've always said that. I don't want some sculpted piece. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, anytime, mate. I always compliment you. You know, oh, self-esteem must be through the roof Good. right now. He's buzzing, mate. I'm, yeah. I'm awake. I can tell. Um, yeah. I'll look for a compliment back later. Oh, you will. No, you don't have to worry about that. I don't play tit for tat. Eye for an eye is, uh, you know, Ortiz and uh, Moxie are going to be doing next week. But anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> Santana. Sorry. Sorry. Um yeah, going back to the Suzuki thing, good on him. Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds like an awesome interview. I'll have to check that out. Mm. But who did you do the interview with? Actual New, New Japan. Japan's website. And he was saying, like, oh, you guys... Oh, New Japan World. Yep. Is it subtitled? Yeah, no, oh, yeah it's, it's all just, in it's like text. It's not like an interview. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's on, like, the NJPW 1972, is it, website? Uh, on there. But just to make a point, Suzuki's, what, 51? Mm. Yeah. So think about how Suzuki is booked as a 51-year-old, right? He's booked strong, but he picks his spots. He knows when to lose. He knows what to give to his opponents. He knows how to protect himself so he remains over at a level, right? But also remains over so that when he does put someone over, it's a big moment, right? Mm. Compare that to 52-year-old Triple H, who (laughs) is always the man whenever he turns up. And think about what he's attacking there. He's attacking Triple H's march into Japan in the same way that he marched into the UK and we just basically fell over him and went, oh, my God, Triple H. <laughs> Good on him. But Minoru Suzuki versus Triple H. That's a match I'd fucking love to see. And I'd love to see Triple H get his ass kicked in a shoot because Triple H is a fucking pussy. <laughs> and I, sound, I sound like I'm one of those alphas, don't I? Like a Brock Lesnar sign, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps I should, you know, join Team Alpha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me say. and Goldberg are going to get on. We <laughs> be great mates. Um, yeah, I love that. Though. My favourite thing is that, like, nobody's giving Suzuki grief like they did Justin Sizem. Basically saying the same thing. But yeah. it's Minoru Suzuki, so you don't get a Trent Seven giving him a uh, hang your head in shame tweet back. Like, Suzuki can get away That with was it. very good, Benno. When you it also that. comes with first, over 30 years of experience in the wrestling business, yeah. whereas Justin Sizer, and what's he done? <laughs> That's true, too. But he's still right, isn't he? Like, they're, they're both right, but coming from a Suzuki, you're right. It carries a lot more weight, doesn't it? And if he's saying it, like, if you're not going to listen to the likes of us or 
understandably adjust them size and listen to Minoru Suzuki. Look, he sees if Zack Sabre Jr. said it, then I think <laughs> he would listen. Mm. Yeah, that, that is the difference. Um, but yeah, I just love it because you've got like, you're in like a, a in a climate where William Regal's still going on about NXT UK being our brand and how, you know, it, we, we've got something we can all be proud of. And then the same thing, same scope, you've got Suzuki seeing it for what it is. You see a Meltzer report, like the, the real reasons behind WWE hoarding so many of these wrestlers, the obvious reason as to why they're doing it and why they're coming into the UK. It's good to see a, a bit of truth out there finally. It's such a shame, isn't it, with Regal at times. Like, I just feel like he was really someone is. I had so much respect for and really liked. And I just look at the bloke now and what he's defending. And he's, he's just lost so much of his credibility in this country, I think, and the rest of the world generally. Real shame. Reminds me in some ways, it's weird analogy of that. Who was that leader of Burma? And San Suu Kyi, who ends up defending the military junta at oh, the end right. and everyone thinks they're going to be a hero. That's probably a bit extreme on that front. He's... They're not as bad as the Burmese military junta. But still, <laughs> it becomes defending the indefensible. All that Rambo film set in Burma. Jesus. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. That was absolute that was gruesome. I just remember one bit with a big, heavy gun, and he's honestly he's ripping lads to shreds in it. He punches a man. His head comes off, doesn't it, at one point, I remember. I can't quite remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it does, yeah. Anyway. Not a Rambo guy. I don't think I've seen it. <laughs> it feels the like new one is apparently one of the worst films of the year. Oh, that's a shame. It was up for the Razzies, but I suspect Katz is winning anything that's going on that. So, <laughs> anyway. But anyway, oh, I'm better than the lead, though, lads. I mean, the, the big news of the weekend, obviously, XFL. I mean, we've all been watching it. We've all been into it. The XFL! <laughs> I've actually sent you a quote on Skype, by the way, Joe. I don't know if you've seen it. Of, uh, a good Vince quote to to to, uh, to end his in, end the uh, the conference call that I thought might be uh, well-read in your, your Vince impression. I don't know if you ever got one or have a go. Oh, God. Um, let me read it. <clears throat> oh, God. In terms of reimagining our culture and the way we do business, it's going to be very inclusive, attracting <laughs> world-class <laughs> individuals to our company. I mean, who wouldn't want to work for the WWE? I mean, come on. It won't take us long to... Win to <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I read that word wrong. It won't take us long to implement that. Who oh. wouldn't want to work for WWE? XFL owner Vince <laughs> You well, go. you know, I'm sure if Glenn Joseph read that quote, he'd go, yeah. <laughs> I'm there. Yeah. Give me more it's, money. Fuck's sakes. I, I, do you know what? I did watch a little bit of the XFL hmm. on it. It was looked like a low-rent NFL. It was not WWE-related in any way from the bits I saw. Hmm. Well, it wasn't I think the worst. It was okay. I think they left all that out. I think generally, like most of the people I've seen watch it, have said they had a good time watching it. I think they're not they're not pretending it's something different this time. They're not pretending it's like a you know like an, an equivalent to the NFL. Like they're very honest oh. about all these players. Clearly, their end goal is going to be to get to a to a better place, whether it be the NFL or the AFL. And they're talking about how like yeah, they, that's what that's what it is. They're in smaller stadiums and they've just trained, changed the rules to make the game a bit more exciting. It actually did three or four million people, I think, for each game. Like mm. they've actually learned the lessons there. Imagine that a Vince McMahon own property learning lessons from the past and putting them into practice. That's actually one of the few positives I think coming out of this weekend. Well, I was going to say if he, he shows that maybe he does have the uh, ability to reflect, but at the same time, how many years? If he was to reflect on the issues that were caused in 2019 and 2020, in 20 years he's going to be like 95 so <laughs> you know if it's going to what take 20 fucking then? years 
Oh, he'll probably still be here, won't he? Yeah. Yeah, knowing. Knowing it. Probably be like Mr. Burns, you know, in the future, <laughs> won't he? You know, the Bobo the Bear episode when he's yes. running along with Smithers, and Smithers is like a robotic dog, dog at the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's the future. Who Smithers is a Triple H? Uh, no, nah, Kevin Dunn. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, yeah, I think Vince is going to be here for a go as well. <laughs> he needs to go 20 years previously. One anyway. Day. One day. Um, so, yeah, unless you've got anything else on that, I suppose we can move on. Oh, maybe on a sports note, JP, just as a, a slight tie-in. I did see that uh, the Troy Pirates signed for Spurs this week, and I did want to get your thoughts. He signed his contract. Well, that's apparently one of the reasons he's not been playing, even though Harry Kane's not been there. Um, but it's been rumoured that it's not signed this new contract, which he has now done. But he also couldn't go out on loan. It's Jose Mourinho. It's young players. I I find it very hard to believe that he'll, that he'll play there. Um, although knowing my fucking luck, he'll turn up, play, start against Arsenal or whatever, and then score some sort of goal, and that will be the thing to kick it on. So hopefully he might get some appearances. But again, no faith in Jose Mourinho. My sister was... Like, really big enough. She's a big Spurs fan. And I was just like... She just was big enough Mourinho. Yeah, she seemed to go, well, you know, she was looking at some positives from the um He's been fucking Man City lucky game. the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I was like, going to say. Two games at home that they shouldn't have won. One of them against Saints, where we were, we were the better side. Like, you can't go on playing like that, otherwise they're going to get found out. And they have got found out in various games. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you can scrape a win out. Get, the City game was a bit of an anomaly, I'll say that for it, and there were some weird decisions around Jesus, well. that was odd. But, nah. You say beauty and imperfection, VAR. <laughs> That's the whole problem nah, with it. Nah, v- oh, Yeah, exactly. I hate VAR. I hate it. Us football fans, we can't admit it's those bits, it's the kind of little controversies and stuff, it's what makes the game. Look, the hand of God is one of the greatest moments to ever occur in football. And if VAR existed, we wouldn't have the hand of God, and we wouldn't yeah. have we wouldn't have Maradona. We'd have full Maradona. Imagine not having that. <laughs> yeah. Tragic. I don't want to live yeah. in that timeline, Joe. Say it again. I don't want to live in that timeline. No, nor do I. And I just feel like we're robbing the game of proper narrative if we carry on with VAR. Uh, other... <laughs> it's never going away. So you know, <laughs> as long as the I think for me, I'm more of a stats man. I'm into my fancy football and stuff. I would like them to just get the decisions right. So I would like like a working version of it, and like just something that maybe more practically makes sense of of the offside rule and the kind of more better makes use of the tech. Basically, just let the referee go watch a telly. I'd be fine with that. We might lose Maradona, but at least, you know, the right team would win a lot of games. I could live with that. It's just the fucking state it's in now. I don't think anyone's happy. Uh, look, I think to myself, if VAR existed, that goal Frank Lampard scored against Germany in 2010 would have counted. <laughs> and I kind of think in a way, us getting our asses kicked in that game is a blessed in disguise. That's true. So... If yeah. he'd have scored in that and we'd have kicked on and come back and been heroes, we'd have probably inevitably lost him the next game anyway because that squad was inept and Capello was a terrible England manager, especially at a major tournament. So I just think to myself, thank God that happened as angry as I was at the time. Those all make sense. But yeah, that's it. Um, anyway, moving on from football to wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the, uh, just on that... Um, because we're probably going to talk New Japan first, but on that Suzuki thing, uh, you know, obviously we're going to talk his match with Moxley. Did you see the uh, the OTT teaser video this morning uh, for their Scrappermania show? Apparently, Mo- it looks like Moxley's over. They haven't outright said it. They were getting some pelters because I think their their show is it this weekend isn't looking the uh, the strongest. 
so they so they basically uh, I think they jumped the gun and announced they basically it's like a teaser video and there's a man in a shadow and it's and it people have kind of freeze framed it and it's the exact shot of Moxley from his video kind of interesting Moxley over here though if he, if that is true and that it that it looks exactly to be the case him going into OTT he must have been a fan of the Sean Ryan and David Starr stuff from afar be great to see him uh, get plugged into all that might get him see him over there over here for like a Rev Pro or a Fight Club Pro or something I'm into that. Well, he understood the relevance of uh, the videos, didn't he? And sort of getting yourself over as an independent talent. Mm. Just look at the video that he got sick. Was it Sick Nick Mondo? That's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You think about that. And that clearly came from a place of someone sort of having a bit of knowledge on um, what sort of that Mm. sort of video content could do for someone. It doesn't do what he doesn't want. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming, yeah, like you say, Benno, he was probably watching that stuff from afar. What date is the next Scrapamania? It's the weekend. Yeah, it's the St. Patrick's uh, Day weekend, the weekend after WXW. Right. And it'd be a hell of a get. I imagine the atmosphere would be great. It's In terms of who you'd put him in there with, to a degree, the match you really want to see is star, but that's the match you can't do. Yeah, you can't lose, can you? That's the thing. No. Like, Moxley apparently hasn't lost on the Indies once. But again... Nope. I think he, he, he picks his, picks and chooses his dates. He's a smart man. He must be coming over here because he's interested in doing something like that. Maybe there's a chance. Uh, I don't know what else you do with him otherwise. Ah, I mean, that's it, isn't it? It's trying to think of who else would you get in other than getting another kind of import. I'm trying to think of I'd Scotty say- Davis. I don't know if that would necessarily be a good mix. I mean, it'd be something fascinating to put in there Walter but they can't do that can yeah they? yeah <laughs> um yeah it's it's kind of I'm I'm just trying to think of who else they could get in really who else could you get in that you'd want to see him against Jimmy Avok oh fuck no oh, they could do that now AEW. exactly <laughs> yeah. Eddie Kingston's the answer to all these questions apparently the Rev Pro have done it with well, Park and, and sold a ticket on me so you know Eddie Kingston mocks I'd watch that do you know what that's that might not be the worst way to go. He's over it for a while, isn't it? Yeah, because he's in Germany the weekend before. That's right. Because you were talking. Why not? I think you could do that. I, I don't know unless you're going to do. I'm trying to think of someone who'd like fulfil the kind of wild brawler aspect. If you're going to do that type of a match in the stadium, that would fill it. Who's on the roster already? Because mm. you don't want to go to kind of necessary. It's someone like Terry Thatcher would sound lovely in theory, but you'd you'd really wonder would you get the most out of Moxley appearing there? And I think Kingston would do it. And Kingston would go wild and bat shit. And I think there'd be enough there as well. Do that match anywhere though, in America? Yeah. Yeah, you can do. But it's it's about, yeah, it's what they're going to be doing with Moxley. How many dates are going to have on him? Because it's obviously it's, it's, it's an expensive thing to do. But at the same time, you could see him being enthused at the possibility of doing it. Mm. You could think, well, if I'm going to go to Europe, I can't go to WXW. Mm. No not gonna be able to go to progress where am i going to be able to do, to go ott then you'd hope that they're sharing costs with rev pro in some way as well if you if you were going to well, do that your call show after that's in may isn't it but that's it yeah who else are you gonna who else would you share him with in which case it's, they haven't really done they haven't done that in a long time have they i know yeah. they were doing that when they were doing the ott stadium yeah. shows and i think fight club pro have got i've got a sh- I think Fight Club Pro have got a show that weekend. I think they're on the Friday. I could imagine Moxley and the Gifford. I could see that. Ooh, I'd, I'd be going across. I'd be going up for that. I think yeah. I definitely have Although, to go to Fight Club Pro. We haven't so. mentioned the dream option. Nick Gage. I was going to say, well, that would be glorious. Moxley, PCW. <laughs> <laughs> Against Flutter. 
Plenty of Hoss stuff there. Moxley yeah, the Shake Hell Share. Yeah, I'll be up. <laughs> Moxley T-Bone. Nah. <laughs> T-Bone doesn't uh, what really put the F in anymore, though, does he? He just takes his ring along. Yeah. He yeah. does a five-minute match. So, yeah, easy payday for Moxley coming over. In, verse, in versus the Shake, though, you'd be well I'd be, I'd be well up for that. Another yeah. bit of Shake Hell Share. Yeah. I'd mainly just be up for Moxley and the Stanley Arms, to be honest. I think that'd be the main thing. Oh, that would be... And he'd be going for it as well, probably, wouldn't he? I don't know what, if Renee Young was there. I don't know what she'd make of Preston. No, I, don't, I doubt she'd have seen anything like that in her entire fucking life. <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. all the hypothetical. <laughs> she's probably seen worse things going on with Moxley. Uh, yeah, that's true. But yeah, on that note, I might as well say now before we get into the New Japan stuff. Yeah, after our uh, lengthy discussion last week, I have found myself buying a ticket for your call on Friday. Andy Q has won again. LA Park and Eddie Kingston did it. You know, Osprey, Osprey, he's a hey, but I was... Got it, that'd be missing. And then they announced LA Park, Eddie Kingston, and I'm a sucker for a good brawl. That'll be a fight. Fuck me. Like, genuinely, this is the best looking York Hall card I think I can remember Rev Pro putting on. And yeah, me and uh, me and Gareth did uh, did uh, spend the extra, booked ourselves a, a train and a hotel, and we are coming down for it. So yeah, Andy Quilden wins again. He does win, doesn't he? And in fairness... It looks like a hell of a card. It does. As long as long as long as it's timed properly. That would be a couple of things that I would say in there. But looking at this card, I mean it's it's deeper on on talent than we've seen on some of the, the other cards as well. I just hope he doesn't book matches to go like Dan Maloney, Jeff Cobney's like eight minutes. Yes. But I can see him getting yeah. like fifteen. You know what I mean? And like Giselle Shaw, Zoe Lucas, you could see it because it's a title match getting longer than 10. Doesn't yeah. need to go longer than that. Ricky mm. Knight Jr., Robbie X should be a sprint. He loves them too right now, don't he, Andy Q? Have you seen much of them in Red Bull? Uh, I've seen them a couple of times, yeah. A couple of working? shows in the last year. Say it again. Is it working for them? Because he seems to be high on yeah, both of them. Yeah, Rob, Robbie X got over like a median in the cockpit. And mm. a couple of times I saw Ricky Knight Jr. was really good. Mm. Um, for uh, he's, How old is he? Like 18? Yeah, it's ridiculous. I saw yeah. him wrestle live like four years ago. So fuck knows. Like he must have been like 14 at the time. And he looked great then. Yeah, it, like his look for an 18-year-old is ridiculous mm. and yeah he's pretty far along for someone of 18 already he, i'd say that he doesn't wrestle that's... like a knight either does he he wrestles like an indie guy yeah he's not wrestling like the zebra kid mm. or uh his his cut well, his uncle i suppose mm. yeah but he looks exactly like um ah oh, what's not the zebra kid the other one zach he looks zach. exactly like zach mm. but doesn't wrestle anything like him that six man looks like it could be wild as well mm. it might my only fear is with the six man is the mic end up being overblown because you're going to have a kind of comedy spots with Curtis Chapman in there and the like as well. Well, Chris Brooks as well, I suppose, is goodbye. I'm in, yeah, I'm intrigued by that necessarily just to see. It's been a long time since I've seen Chris Brooks wrestle I've, a match. I've not missed him. Yeah. But I'm Do intrigued reckon... to see how he's been. In that, terms of what he's like. I don't know if you'll see the best with six change. man. Though. Well, exactly. Oh. And he was it. always best in those sort of match, multi-man matches anyway. Yeah. It felt like, like surely, like you know, when they did that, uh, that terrible. I think it was the Osprey Pack show when it was CCK against um, oh, Aussie Open, yeah, and they yeah. shit the bed. And even oh. even Andy Q was saying on his podcast, like it wasn't the match I hoped. They must have got bollock for that, for that, and for that cockpit tag where it sounded like they took the piss that you were live at, Joe. Like it just never really worked for Chris Brooks as like a pushed rev pro act. So I don't know what the reaction would. Be. He'll probably still get a nice reaction at the end, but he yeah. was over at the cockpit. He was really over with the core of fans. And to be fair to him, it, when him and Travis Banks were uh, put into the tag team, mm. oh. they kind of 
not carry, but they were the real kind of drive in a lot of those cockpit shows for sort of, was it 2017? I think, yeah, it was 2017. Yeah. yeah, they were great as a team in 2017 in Rev Pro. Um, don't let that sort of go forgotten. But yeah, I, Brooks as a single, I don't think has ever really gotten over in Rev Pro at all. And Quilden has tried, but yeah, hopefully when he comes back from Japan in a year's time, mm-hmm. stuff will start clicking. Actually, did get a picture, a ticket, Joe, for the uh, for a Schadenfreude goodbye show. Uh, I haven't hundred percent decided if I'm going to go or not. Your worst nightmare, maybe? A Tuesday night, yeah. watching wrestling amongst w- wacky uh, gimmick wrestling as well. Yeah, like, I can't and... think of anything worse than going out. <laughs> like of all the nights to go out for me, a Tuesday is like the worst one because like Monday like tonight don't mind coming around jp's popping around mm. wednesday middle of the week you know a bit of relief thursday you got one day until you gotta get through weekend you know can do it tuesday mm, middle of the week don't want to be out of wrestling especially not that sort of wrestling that's for sure so <laughs> not worth not for a for few me. pints with the ogdens maybe me and gareth no uh, I, I, no, no ah, I've got to travel to Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I lived in the area, maybe I'd come for a couple of pints and then go home. If I lived in Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been to one of their shows before, back when it was IPW UK. I had a good time. I don't know if I'm ready for all the tears of the uh, the Chardonnay, the hoodies in the crowd, but we'll see. It's the same week as a, that TNT show with Star Kingston. And now I'm coming down to York Hall on Friday and we're going to have a good drink, aren't we, lads? So I'll probably spend oh, it there. Uh, I, I think I'm going to have to think on that. So uh, maybe if someone wants to, make, wants to make me a good offer for me ticket, maybe it'll go. This wasn't intended as a me selling my ticket segment, but you know, just saying. Well, exactly. Put it out. Mate, they go like bloody hotcakes, those things <laughs> oh, as well, no don't they? If I decide so. not to go, I'll have no trouble getting rid of that thing. And there's probably yeah. people screaming at the radios right now because I'm thinking of not going to a, a whole I, I was going to say actually about this your call card it feels to me in some strange way that the elp oku match has kind of almost been lost somewhat in the shuffle yeah we didn't even mention it did we there yeah they should put a uh, they should put a video out for that i reckon mm. like some sort of build-up package for that because mm. playing off that last match playing off some of their previous interactions there's there's substance to that feud and there's substance mm. of the oku push and i think they should be pushing that a little bit more to be honest with you but at least there's, you know, there's kind of pretty much stakes all over the shop in terms of a lot of the matches on this card. Well, no, in terms of you thinking in terms of titles, but you're also thinking of where David Starr fits in. So there's a kind of intrigue in oh, terms okay, of that yeah. match. Where does he fit into the mix? Do they take the belt of Zoe Lucas and go with Gazelle Shaw, which is probably likely of what they'll end up doing, hence it being on the card. How will that end up performing? You know, Gazelle Shaw was really great when she was in there with Tessa Blanchard. She was in there with Tessa Blanchard. Um, yeah, last York Hall match, the one she had afterwards, I can't remember who it was against, but it wasn't it wasn't great, mm. the one the month after. Maloney Cobb booked correctly, booked as a kind of, you know, beefy fucker, quick, relatively quick kind of hard-hitting match. Eight minutes hard Maloney match. over. Yep, do that. I don't know if they'll be allowed to, though, with the Ring of Honor. Has he still got a Ring of Honor deal, Jeff Cobb? Or is it, was he out of contract? I think he's re-signed? out of contract. I think that's the story. There. Yeah. And he was doing New Japan yeah. off his own back. I think that was the story. Right, and then and then they're going to give LA Park Kingston time because that's going to be a while. Uh, that doesn't brawl. need time. That needs twelve minutes. It does. Those those sort of matches should never yeah. get time. I I sadly think twelve minutes gonna... and some blood. Yeah, there they'll be. Oh yeah, there better be some, some LA Park diving off the balcony. I wonder if he brings <laughs> his lads over. You ever seen? <laughs> Jesus I'm surprised Christ. they're not booked on the undercard. Well, I, was, 
I was yeah. thinking, do you know what they should? Do you know what they should book afterwards? Like they should have uh, Maloney. I'd have Maloney Cobb go on early. Then I'd do uh, L.A. Park Kingston just before uh, the intermission. Hmm. I'd have Maloney come out and challenge L.A. Park. Bring L.A. Park back and have Maloney L.A. Park. That that could be a match to try and get Dan Maloney over. It's a bit mm. more of a badass, I think, mm. on the next York Hall show if you can get the date on Park. Yeah, that would have made sense. I was, I, we were, again, talking on BWE, trying to think of a replacement before it got announced. And you know what? That didn't occur to me, but actually Maloney seems like the most obvious option there. Like, as far as Red Pro roster goes, big lad, yeah. you can have a fight. He'd probably have to lose, but no shame in losing to LA Park. Yeah, exactly. If you put him over Jeff Cobb and then he loses to a legend, it, mm. I'm kind of all right with it. Uh, I suppose also, that was already announced, wasn't it? L- LA Park's, <laughs> he's going over. You know, <laughs> very, very much. Even I, if you don't I, book you know. a JP, he's going over. Yes, that's that's how that's how this works with him. I mean, like I'd like to see him in the Dundee Arms in his uh, full yeah. gear. That'd be quite funny. Fucking Woolworths well, stood on a chair. Yeah, <laughs> as if he's like the chairman still. Yeah, Happy, sim- absolutely. Simpler times. Yeah, yeah. That's what we want. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to Friday. Looking forward to seeing you lads. And yeah, it should be. A, it'll be a fun night, and I've definitely I've it'll learned be, my lesson it'll be as well. Really fun. Yeah, I'll be staying over. Uh, there's none of this uh, hoping for the last train again. I will never do that with Red Pro. And you can't really with these Friday shows. If this finishes before midnight, I'll be shocked. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, I, I can't see this finishing before half past 11. I think there's a curfew in there. I think, oh, 11, I think 11 o'clock is the curfew. Oh, that's good then. So at least we know okay. that's the finish. Think- don't quote me on that. Okay. I, think they, I think they say on like the tickets, it's something like quarter past 10 to the expected finish. So yeah, you have 45. I could see 11 being the end. Get everyone out the building last minute. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let's go have a few Doom bars, a few shitty carlings from the, uh, the crappy oh. old bar. What a time we're going to have. That's it. And uh, it'll be my girlfriend's first ever wrestling show. This on Valentine's Day. <laughs> on Valentine's Day, yeah. LA Palm for Valentine's Day. Well, she, as soon as Eddie Kingston was announced, she was there. Uh, she didn't know anything about wrestling, like oh. nothing whatsoever. She's completely open minds how it's be. Hell of a car to take her to for a bit of variety, <laughs> really, unless, you know, you'd think there's something in this that's going to hopefully stick that, that she'll end up enjoying. Um, what, you? You'd like <laughs> to think so, wouldn't you? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, she'll get to see you in your element, JP, um, being the uh, hero <laughs> among the uh, the York Hall faithful. But we'll see. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm my best, indeed. Uh, I'm worst. Uh, moving yeah. on. <laughs> Very much the emphasis on the worst, dude. We should talk this uh, this New Japan show. Uh, I was going to say I don't know where to start, but Sunday morning. I was up late Saturday night, woke up, put the laptop on in bed, turned it on, right into the singles matches, right into Jay White and Sonata. What a way to wake up. What an interesting closing four matches that were on this show. I'm <laughs> guessing that's all you guys have seen rather than the uh, the opening tags. And yeah, maybe that's the place to start. I, like you, woke up exactly at that time as the, as that match was beginning, as Jay White was coming out. I feel very sorry for both. Also, was like, right, get up, cup of tea, right, that's on. Also, I and this is going to be the funny thing. I'm going to be a lot probably higher on these the top three matches in particular in some oh, ways. Partly because um, I think at the same time I was really I've been following the Irish election pretty intensely, and it was pretty wild that as well. And I was I was quite happy that the usual duopoly was broken up in in Ireland um, 
and that there was there was a new party, slightly controversial party in Sinn Fein. How do you feel about uh, this, JP? Oh, it's it's a well, it's, it's a completely different dynamic to what it would mean over here. Because over here, there's been I think there's still been a perception that somehow voting for Sinn Fein is some sort of response to Brexit, whereas Brexit was like one percent of what people were interested in. And I said a few weeks ago, I was just really wasn't sure, but I started following it in the in the lead up to it. And the leader of Sinn Fein was was doing very much kind of coming across as a sort of new, different voice and was different from the governments that had been there before. And it was kind of more left-wing, and there's never been a left-wing government in Ireland, as crazy as that seems. It's always been two centre-right parties pretty much fighting for that space. So that was going on, and the socialist in me was kind of liking it. Not liking it enough to like uh, Jay White, Sonata, more than three stars. I didn't completely lose the fucking runner myself. Um <laughs> It was a bit longer than it needed to be for that. I was hoping, I thought, well, maybe this will be sort of like, what, 10, 12 minutes possibly? How long was it? I think it was closer to 20. Fuck that. Um, <laughs> I'll have it, a look on it. Sorry? What did you give it then? Star three Wars? stars. That's high to me. No, I think I gave it three as well. Did you not watch it, Joe? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking innocently, Joe. Look, we've got a special review of that from my end, so we'll let, <laughs> let those words speak for, you know, what this match is worth in my mind and in the mind of anyone who's, you know, sensible when it comes to JY. That Voice Arrested article you linked me to last week, Ben. <laughs> I was just is trying to get on your good side again, Joe, after the Red Pro discussion last week. <laughs> oh, that was ridiculous. You were never on my bad side, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Um, you neither. Let me talk. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, I think I've got the kind of market on Jay White on this uh, podcast. So, yeah. Definitely, yeah. you very much have. Um, what was I? What was I even saying before that? Something about Jay White. Oh, I don't know. Voice of oh, the voice arrested. Was that a troll job? <laughs> I think I felt like it was directed at you. Audience of one, mate. Who is the guy? Rovic. Do I know him? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, I'd never heard of him. Like, is he? Does, what else has he done? What's his other I work? Okay, because I I read like two paragraphs and was like, I can't read this because it's so factually wrong. I said last week it was like my mate who tried claiming that Jeremy Corbyn was a better Labour Party leader than Tony Blair. It was like Tony Blair won three elections, mate, and he won like the '97 election with a fucking massive majority. Like, you know. I liked Corbyn in 2015, not going to lie. Come on, let's employ a sense of realism here for a moment. Come on. Like, <laughs> I know that Kenny Omega's not had the best year, but sort your life out. That, that like, was the that's... title, wasn't it? It was something like Jay White yeah. is better than Kenny Omega. Why Jay White was a better fifth for New Japan than Kenny Omega is the title. What? Because he's not going anywhere. That's <laughs> probably why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, um, nothing to say about that match. <laughs> yeah, listen to the intro and outro of this podcast, everybody. You will, uh, you might get some thoughts. Yeah, I, I thought it was just a match. I just thought it, it was extreme. It, I've got, I'm not the high, the, the high man on Jay. I might be on this podcast, but I'm not a high man on Jay White. Like, I can take or leave him. There are matches I enjoy over him. The matches there aren't. Sonada, to be honest, offends me more. Like, yeah, I just. I just don't care about Sonata. And if you combine that with like the JY character, yeah, I just, I went three JP as well, but it was just purely just because I could kind of recognize that there was some good work happening in the match. 
but at yeah. the end of the day, I did not give a fuck about this. No, same. I mean, it just felt the kind of uh, it was just sort of very through the motions mm-hmm. as much as anything else. I wasn't really engaged with it. It's not like this is a feud that's caught fire in any way, shape, or form. Mm. Um, well, there was the usual the kind of like you know reversals exchanged towards the end. It sort of felt very dry. It just it would have been nice if it had been 10 minutes and it had gone at a bit of a pace that would have at least got my attention more. It's the interference, mate. It's the, it's the stop yeah. start. And I know that's white kind of character work. Oh, Geta goes up the ropes, trips his legs. He, <sighs> he turns around the taxing from beyond you. Like another fucking Jay white beat down segment. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't want to see it in New Japan, do you? Like, it's just, and there are, and I'm not saying there aren't times where it hasn't worked. There was a match on my top 10, you know, for last year where it did work mm. with Jay, but the majority of the time, this is the bad side of it, isn't it? Um, yeah. To I, me, this is the uh, New Japan equivalent of Randy Orton versus Baron Corbin. <laughs> yeah. Good looking bloke. He's got some abilities, polished, like he can work in Sonata, but can't really go beyond the ever. Hard, finds it hard emoting, you know, finds it hard bringing his matches to that next level. And then you got Jay White, who's pure Baron Corbin. He never shuts up as well. Uh, Jay White. Yeah, and he, he's out there. Everything he says is just annoying and boring. Well, that's the gimmick. I don't, I don't mind that yeah. so much. But it is boring. I agree with that part. I don't, that's the annoying is fine it. for his character. But again, it feels like he's playing a character. I know we say it all the time, yeah. but it does feel like he's a child playing a character. I was going to say a few weeks ago, we went really in depth in terms of the, the characterization, and there isn't anything that convinces me that Jay White, the real person, how it even fits into what we see yeah. with this character. Think of his shit talk. When Shah Samuel shit talks, I fucking listen. When Jay White shit talks, I turn off and run through. Yeah. Shah Samuels is better than Jay White. I don't know on that, Joe. Oh, no. In ring. Shah Samuels is a more more legitimate character in ring. And is he portraying the person? (laughs) He's never had a match like the Kota Ibushi match Jay White had last year. No, I I completely Has he ever wrestled Kota Ibushi, Benno? We'll never know that, will we? And, mate, I bet you would have enjoyed that LA Park match on Friday if Shah hadn't fallen down with the injury. And I hope he's all right. And I can't wait to see him back to prove he's a better wrestler than Jay White. <laughs> <laughs> oh Joe. You know you'll wind it up some of our listeners, but you know, they enjoy it. <laughs> but yeah, I went three on that as well, uh, uh JP. Yeah. Understandable you didn't bother with it uh, with it, Joe. But yeah, next up was a, a far more interesting match. Uh Hiromu and, and Dragon Lee, Ryu Lee. Uh yeah, I I I mean I I always enjoy their matches and I always struggle what to rate them on grapple. Like I went I was between four and four and a quarter on this one. I think it was just, it's pure car crash, isn't it? That's what they do. They go out there, they try and kill themselves. They make you really think they are going to kill themselves. I honestly think like a part of the point of their matches is to make you just nervous watching them. I think that's purely what they're trying to do Mm. when they're out there. But for what it was, for the daft gifts, for the daft spots, I had a fun time watching it. Uh, I just, yeah. It's one of them. Your heart is uh, in your mouth anytime you uh, you watch these two going at it. The fucking nutters, um, and yeah, that's what they are. I was the high man on this. I think I I went four and a half. Wow, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It just kind of completely woke me up from the bits with the chop exchanges at the start. I didn't um, like that. You know, I thought that went too long. You know, I just thought that it's chops in it. Like I didn't really. Yeah, I just I, I thought it got a bit boring after a while. 
I think, again, and, and Joe pointed this out to me earlier on, it's the good mood bias of the general morning, I think, that, I, I, that was possibly affecting me. I think it was one of the images of Jerry Adams you saw on the screen. He, or he, he, he wasn't on the screen at all, but um, Sinn Féin did well in Waterford as well. Yeah. Brother voted for Sinn Féin. Anyway, digress again. He didn't watch this card. He wouldn't He wouldn't have minded it, and he probably would have liked this match. Because it was, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was kind of in the mood. I imagine for something like, especially after Jay White Sonata, something Fair. that felt like the complete opposite of that. Mm. And by God, this was it, wasn't it? Mm. Um, I know Joe, Joe's got some d- different thoughts on it. No, like you carry on with what you. Well, no, I was, I, I was just going to say in <clears throat> I, these two, that little bit of danger, I actually think kind of adds something for me. Which like, and I know it's not again. When they teased, what was it? They teased the um. Oh, the the, the, the move that killed him, basically. The yeah. move, the move that nearly killed him. Yeah, yeah. Like you could hear the kind of gasp from the crowd for yeah. that. And that is something that he's going to end up taking at some point. But today wasn't the day to do that. It, they will do. They'll have some mm. other match down the line, whether or not it's like a best of the Super Juniors final or something along those lines, where he will do that move to kind of well, finish him. Oh, he will. Can I throw something else here then? I would guess, like, one of my comparisons, this match, you know what it felt like? A little bit like a death match, where you're kind of watching it for the sick bumps and the and whether you, you like that stuff or you don't yeah. like that might call your enjoyment. Is that, like, does that give any indication of maybe that where you does. are on this one, Joe? Nah, it doesn't, actually. Oh. That's an interest, interesting, because it feels like we're going to come from completely diff- different sort of end of the spectrum on that, Benno, and I'll oh. get to what I was going to compare it to, but... <clears throat> For me, I find their chemistry quite sort of overrated. Hmm. Um, and I think watching the tag match before it, because the tag match um, with Osprey and Okada against Zack and Taichi, I watched. And then, as you'll probably hear on the intro, um, <laughs> I saw Jay White's entrance and was like, let's get through this ASAP. Um, and I came to this match. And watching Osprey and Zack and then watching these guys, the levels of chemistry between the two combinations of wrestlers felt like they were on completely different levels. Like I thought you had Zach and Osprey, where you've got this mad, genuine chemistry where they just seem to play off each other so well and everything seems so natural and so genuine. Mm. And then you've got these two, and I feel like they're trying to force the chemistry, and I feel like the commentators are really trying to play it up. And I've never really got a lot out of any of their matches together. I've always sort of, I don't know, probably issues around the car crash stuff and the risky nature of it. But I've never bought that they've got this like unbelievable chemistry where they just play off each other so well. I just think there are so many other combinations of wrestlers when they're in there together. Think about, I don't know, Flair Steamboat, for example. Uh, Rock and Austin. Osprey and Marty. McGuinness and Brian as examples that come straight to me. Kabashi and Misawa. And those are guys that I think mm. chemistry-wise just are unbelievably great and they sort of sell these guys as if they're on that level and I never feel like their matches have a very natural flow and I thought in this one they try to do something slightly different with the chop battle at the beginning and at first I was enjoying it and then they compared it to Kabashi versus oh, Kenzuki yeah. Suzaki <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I'm kind of like oh why would you do that yeah. like like it's not on that level. It's got the same level of intensity, and they are not connected in the same way. Yeah. Their delivery's not the same. No. Like guys, like as well, much as four I, and a half minutes. Yeah, as well, yeah. 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 As, as the new Japan commentary is that was it was like bit out of place, guys. Come on, like kind of they kind of killed the spot for me. I mean, it went on a bit, but it felt like they were trying to do something else. But then they moved on from that and just reverted to the same stuff they've kind of 
always done. I mean, it felt to me like in the last two years, their matches haven't really moved on. And what I really like about wrestlers who sort of face each other at different periods of their career is how the match moves on and grows over those periods of the guy's careers. So you look at, say, Flair and Steamboat in the 70s. Then you look at Flair and Steamboat in 84. Then you look at them in 89, but in 94. There are differences in the matches as they go through the generations and go through the eras. Kabashi and Masao was exactly the same. Um, you look at Al McGuinness and Brian and the style of that kind of evolved a little bit over time as well. I reckon if Osprey and Marty start hooking up in a couple of years, you'll see slight variations in the style, a bit of a growth in the way they kind of wrestle one another. Whereas this, it was like they kind of did a little bit different at the beginning and then went into just doing the mad stuff again. And I sort of thought, there was some good build around the spots like the one they played off from Long Beach, uh, sorry, from San Francisco, or was it San Jose a couple of years ago where he picked up the injury? But then a lot of the stuff just felt really random. And uh, this is, I just think, the, the kind of elitist uh, sort of take on this. I thought the transitions between spots didn't feel genuine. Huh? <laughs> Don't exist is probably the way to go. Yeah, it was just like, Here's this big spot off the um, barricade, and then this is followed by um, the the what is it the um, sunset flip onto the floor after he just taken that massive spot. Yeah, and it just feels like they kind of throw these big spots out there. Yeah, they have no effect, and then they just carry on. And it I don't know that kind of annoyed me, and it wasn't that I didn't enjoy the match. But it felt to me like they were trying to, and this is where our difference in take is, Benno, mm. force a bit of an epic, which made me think it felt like a slightly riskier version of an, a, an NXT TakeOver-style match between these two guys in terms of the way it felt like they were trying to make this an epic rather than let it flow and naturally kind of turn into an epic. And I think that they've, they've got such a pattern kind of match together that actually changing it up and thinking about something other than, oh, let's do this high-risk thing and this mm-hmm. high-risk thing and just having a wrestle, which I'd love to see because I bet they'd have a great match. And it just felt a bit samey and a bit kind of, eh, that was all right I, to me, if anything. I felt like they were trying to live up to their own legacy, kind of. I can kind of see what you mean. Yeah, I see what you're saying. They're trying to, like, recapture what it is that people loved about their matches. But I think you're right. I think that's, that, I mean, and the other thing, I suppose, you know, it's maybe it'll take a, a, you know, it's been a little while since they've had one of these matches, maybe, you know, match three or four, because we're probably going to get a run of these. It gets a it gets a bit more natural feeling. But I do think you're right. It did feel like just big spot to big spot. And I, they do feel like two, the two wrestlers who like controversial take, but like I always enjoy in matches against other people rather than each other, like with each other. They bring out, depends on your take, do they bring out the best at each other or the worst at each other? Because I kind of feel a little bit like they bring the worst at each other and if anything, they need like to be in there with someone else who's going to provide a bit more substance to the matches. Again, it depends on your take. You might like this as a popcorn car crash match and I know JP, you're the high man, aren't you? Um, Oh yeah. And I did enjoy it. You know, I still gave it four or 4.25. I was switching back and forth, but I don't think you're wrong at all there, Joe. I think that's a a, a dead on uh, critique of the match. Yeah, I, I sort of get what you're saying about uh, living up to expectations as well. It's a point that I didn't maybe think of. I do like the fact they played off that spot and they got a reaction for it, the mm-hmm. injury spot. Yeah. So I thought they worked that in reasonably well, but it was still kind of enjoyable and I could appreciate the risk and some of the stuff they were doing. But yeah, I just I just want them to sort of move on from this 
we must do a really high risk match because that's the kind of expectation we put in place and just wrestle because they can both wrestle like give me a Takahashi Osprey match or a Dragon Lee Osprey match yeah. or you know think about the match Dragon Lee had with Shingo last year mm. you know we've seen Takahashi have great matches with the likes of Ishimori in the past as well I can think of great matches he had in that best of the super juniors in 2018 with the likes of Marty Kashida he can do it it's just I don't know there's an expectation that they, they, the wrestlers themselves have maybe bought into a bit too much I think Go on, JP, defend that you're the high man. <laughs> JP is just making himself an oval team. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's an old man drink for some old man views. Look, it's bedtime soon. It's understandable. Some of my students didn't even know what oval team was today when he was he walked into my classroom drinking it. Yeah. What's, what's even in oval team? Malt. Oh, okay. Primarily. <laughs> Not just malt. It's just basically like, it's like kind of cocoa. But you don't like Maltesers. I don't like Maltesers. I've explained to you why before. Why is that? This is going well away from... Um, no, no, we need to know. JP, why do you hate Maltesers? Uh, it's to do with... It's kind of actually somewhat to do with wrestling. Is There was a mate of mine from school, Paul Brown, and I went round to his house. His mum went to Macros. And so, do you know Macros? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you buy, buy stuff in bulk. Like the Costco. Yeah, it's Costco, isn't it? Yeah, basically. She came back with loads of, like, it was Coke, not cocaine, we were about 13 at the time. Um, Coca-Cola and big box of Maltesers. And we were all staying up to watch WCW because they were fucking around with the times at that point in time. They had it on at like half two in the morning. And we'd like gone through, we'd been, I think we'd gone out and walked and collected a load of wrestling magazines that day, like Aptomax, different news agents. But just ate lo- almost that entire box of Maltesers, not to myself, but with him. And I just couldn't, I honestly, I can't eat him again. That's it. Wow. Um, all waiting up for WCW. Did you get through WCW? Oh, yeah, staying up. Did his dad <laughs> send any of those tapes over for you? He didn't. He had his dad was lived in Akron, Ohio, and like would take Clash of the Champions and convert it to uh, um, VHS, put them on long play tapes. From NTSC to PAL. Yep. Yeah. Nice. nice. Great man he was. That's a good link to have. He had yeah. Global as well. For that. He recorded a load of Global as well at the same time. The one on ESPN? Yeah, yeah, the one on ESPN that was on the time, yeah, run by this kind of like, sounds dodgy saying it in hindsight, it was like like a Nigerian prince claimed to invest in it or something along those lines, kind of ridiculous. (laughs) Maybe that Power Uti bloke who's always, the really shifty guy. Um, And they went under, yeah. Um, So I remember seeing like what was, it would have been the Lightning Kid then, Sean Sean Waltman's on it, and Cactus Jack, the first time I saw him on that as well yeah awesome stuff happy days eh? simpler times (laughs) not like this match in terms of in terms of defending Ryu Ryu Lee because I gave I still gave it four what did you Jerry Lynch Sean Waltman of its day maybe (laughs) it was modern day I think I just wanted something to wake me up and it did at that point in time and yeah. and that's kind of what it was. It gave me a car crash at a time that I was happy to watch a car crash. I enjoyed it. After watching a match that had kind of just felt to me like, oh, this is going to be a struggle of a card this time in the morning. But it kind of really livened me up along with the, morning, the election eh? news. Yeah, it was a lively morning. Shin Fein tearing up, biblical weather. There's something connected <laughs> there, isn't there? There and really then is. And a car yeah. crash of a wrestling match for you. A couple of coffees deep, were you at that point as well? Oh yeah, no tea at that time of the day. Oh okay, and I had some porridge as well. I was <laughs> I was good to JP because it was too early for Greg's to be open. My local Greg's wasn't open till ten that morning. 
Oh, mate, would you have wanted to go outside given how filthy it was? That's true. That's true. I don't think it's worth it even for a Greg's. I'd rather put, I think I'd rather just make my own sausage on toast and, uh, and make my own coffee. With my nice little coffee maker. Got a little one that, that grinds up the beans now. Definitely, definitely feel, feel, feel a lot better about it. I've got like the uh, Colombian beans from, from Tesco. Tesco's finest range. They, uh, they makes a good brew. That's good, mate, because last time we were there, you did have instant, didn't you? <laughs> I did, I'd only just moved in, JP. Come on, give me a, give me a break. Yeah, still. <laughs> yeah, there's still still no real excuse for that. It's good to see you've gone on to the um to you, the You're drinking fucking Ovaltine and, <laughs> and there isn't anything wrong with Ovaltine. There isn't anything. Have your Radio Norwich cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great cup in fairness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway. What did you give that match, by the way, Joe, just to take it back on here? Uh, uh, 3.75. Oh, so you're not far away from us. No, uh, like it was a good match, but they were, yeah, 3.75 to four and a half. I think, you know, it's quite yeah. a lot of difference yeah, in there sort is. of rating and opinion there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, I gave it four, but again, I could have gone 4.25. So maybe I'm the bridge between the two. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it just, yeah, I think it just depends on how much you're up for that, that car crash style. Um, what I'd say though, a difference, I, of, a difference of opinion is okay. It's a good thing. There you go. It's all a spectrum. Um, but uh, over and over to the next match, I'm guessing there won't be a huge amount of dis- uh, disagreements. Suzuki Moxley. I, I, for me, as good as advertised, I was genuinely like, you know, I was talking before about like Schadenfreude the matches and comedy wrestling not always being for me, but I'm up, I'm up for it. Like this, I don't think I've laughed so much in a match recently, but it was out of like pure joy, just out of how much I enjoyed like Suzuki gaining with Moxley and how much Moxley was having a good time and how good the time Suzuki was having. I just felt like everybody in this match was just having the time of their lives and uh, I was in bed as well. Yeah, I loved this. And again, it was drastically, it was different from the match that had gone on previously to the Mm. way that Moxley had come through, grabbed the chair, went up the aisle. It was like, it It set itself up as like a big, big, uh, big match. I did think at that point, now you're sucking diesel, lads. (laughs) Crack on. And they and they went for it, and it was a wild it was a wild brawl, which was the match that we had been promised, and it was the match that delivered for what it was. Moxley again, you're looking at him. It's what's great about it is you're also seeing two wrestlers who are kind of having a great time. They're having yes. a great time, and in Moxley's case, clearly having like the time of his life. He's on such a high right now, both in AEW and in New Japan. Like he is. Yeah. There's a proper momentum behind him right now, and you can tell he knows He's- it. He's Steve Austin in one company yeah. and he's Stan Anson in the other. Yeah. It's like, this is great. Yeah. You get the up. impression he's a Suzuki fan as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he is. Yeah. I think, he's, yeah. I think that yeah. Suzuki in the interview, the interviewer asks him about that. Apparently, Moxley, when he was learning to wrestle, was big into Suzuki tapes in like 11 and 12. Suzuki wasn't impressed by that, but I was. <laughs> Good on him. Good on him. And you know what? He got to probably have a dream match here as well mm. in front of a hot crowd. Uh, one thing I'll say, I thought the psychology was awesome. Mm. Uh, the simple things Minoru Suzuki does. I hear apparently Jay White does simple things really well. Does he? Because <laughs> <laughs> what I see is Minoru Suzuki doing the simple things really well, like creating a kind of heat between two wrestlers and a genuine feeling between two wrestlers that, makes a match more intense which makes a match more engaging i thought from the moment that strike battle happened between them straight away i was like this feels so much more genuine than the dragon lee hiromi strike battle felt and it just felt like it had a proper intensity to it as well and also it just felt organic like the way they played off the crowd at Mm. various points the way that they swayed the crowd changed the momentum at times it was great the one thing i'll say is some of the arm work where apparently broke his arm I mean, he was mm. 
Yeah. I'm not usually a hot, a, you know, I'm not usually bad with the selling stuff. But when someone claims you've broken an arm and then you're kind of not selling it afterwards, I do find, I don't know, doesn't do it for me, like the Pentagon stuff with the arm breaker move and all the rest of it yeah, as well. But it's one minor point in what was an especially good match mm. that felt different to mm. anything else I've seen recently as well. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Um, plus there was the uh, Moxley's eye patch coming off, like you say, and he kind of... Oh, yeah. His yeah. eye just looked fine, didn't it? <laughs> it's like, don't zoom yeah. If this was AEW, the cameras would not be zooming in on Moxley's face, unfortunately. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe you just can't see it. You know, it's there. You can't see properly. It's just not a, not a visible in maybe that's what it is um but yeah i i kind of I, I think i saw like live watching it at the time i, I kind of the arm stuff kind of forgot i forgot about to be honest because i was just so into them having the fight that they were having yeah but yeah. i think that's a fair critique but fuck but yeah, yeah. I, I get why as well like that i think i remember it because it's in my notes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and i noted it at the time i do remember it in the match but mm. like just looking at the note reminded me it wasn't the first thing i thought of i was convinced that suzuki was winning this match though because mm. i thought with the american expansion stuff of him doing the sort of wrestlemania stuff this mm. year um and new japan liking to use him in the uk and on international tours and all the rest of it i did wonder whether they were going to put the u.s belt on him and have him as kind of an attraction mm. on those shows um but yeah the interesting that moxley actually kept the belt as well i also thought moxley's probably going to lose to jericho isn't he and i thought the new japan want their champion i suppose jericho's a new japan guy as well so it doesn't really matter too much anyway yeah i suppose so but, but also the the setup for the match with zach afterwards oh, which is a match too. that I, I hadn't really thought of to be honest with you and you're thinking clash of styles and the way that Zach goes into the Cobra twist, which is just uh, Zach can brawl though. Oh, I know. I don't have any. I yeah. don't have any doubt that in terms of what that match offers and the different dynamic it can offer as well, and the way. I mean, he's such a clever wrestler, Zach. So the things they're going to be able to think up between them, I was immediate. I was excited. I also like the way as well that obviously Smoxy's bigger. That he was kept on trying to change the grip that he had when he was doing the chokeholds, which is classic Zach, isn't it? working and oh, working yeah, yeah, those yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. holds as well and he called him out there was a great interview afterwards with zach and i think uh, moxley calls him the udon noodle and <laughs> that's right yeah. like is it fucking udon noodle of wrestling and zach calls like him jonathan it's just like a noodle who just sneaks her all around it sounds like that bloke's next to me at the madison square garden show yeah. last year yeah <laughs> except <laughs> except viewing it as an absolute strength that that's the beauty of it right okay is that is that he's like that um but yeah, and then Zach doing saying usual Zach stuff, wasn't he? He was, you know, great value. Yeah. But yeah, I, I gave it four and a half. What did you guys give that match? Oh, I went four. Yeah. Four and a half. Wow. Yeah. I think, the for, for me, four and a half is like the, the 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 point where I'm gonna remember it at the end of the year when it comes to match of the year stuff. Mm. It won't make me ten, but I'll be thinking of it. So I think for me that's why it fits there. It's like a nice early February kind of really good solid match to kind of at least say, oh, okay, of that month that was one of the one of the better matches to go back to. Uh, yeah. And it, if you're thinking of it, if star ratings as recommendations, go out of your way to watch. Oh this. yeah, I'd recommend this match. Yeah. If I have anything else in the show? Definitely. This, this was the one. If you if you were gonna yeah watch only one thing from the show, this would be the one for me to uh, 
to recommend for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like. Uh, oh, by the way, on that one, the uh, the grapple uh, average rating was four point two five, so it did actually split the difference between us. Like, um, but yeah, that was four point two five. The main event, uh, Naito Kenta, didn't fare quite so well on grapple, uh, and didn't fare so well for me. I was fucking bored by this thing, lads. I, I just Same. Don't, I don't care about Naito. I'm sorry. I, he's over. He sells T-shirts. He should be in this position. He deserves this run with the belt. I think business was good for this show. So I can't really claim, like, complain from like a logical point of view. I'm just sick of the back teeth of him. And I've enjoyed Kenta's heel work, but he's clearly not the same Kenta in ring. So there's that too. There was all the nonsense in the middle of this thing. It did get good when the blood turned up. So they kind of pulled me back in for maybe the last couple of minutes. But maybe it's just, it says more about but yeah i couldn't get excited for this one and i just wasn't interested while it was happening in front of me i don't know yeah if you guys are any higher i am oh. i went i went four stars on this clearly i was fucking absolutely it sounds like i was on ecstasy <laughs> on sunday morning what was going on what here were doing, what were you doing like the rest of the weekend i know you watched the barrymore documentary friday night with your girlfriend so saturday yeah. island one in the rugby yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that no was good. Arsenal to ruin your weekend. No Arsenal to ruin the weekend. <laughs> um, what was I doing? Watching the outsider, a bit more of the new Pope as well. So some good stuff that was on there as well at the same time. Kids weren't giving you asshole. <laughs> no, no, no. Generally rock solid. Good. Justifiable excuse to not have to go out that much. On good a time with uh, your girlfriend as yep. well. Yeah. Um, so- and and so it was. <laughs> was it the know, blood? I was, I was in a good mood, and therefore. I felt more amenable to Kenta's heel work. I know all the Bullet Club stuff is absolute bullshit. And it feel like now I'm defending the indefensible because I watched, basically I watched this match in a good mood. Um, but I kind of like, in terms of Kenta's heel work, the thing that I'm enjoying with it is the, is the reaction that it's actually getting. And the fact that at times it does feel, especially kind of sometimes at top end of New Japan cards, that you haven't got the heel face dynamic. Hmm. And here you really did. Now, I completely get the reasons why you both would have been bored during the, this at the beginning. And I completely get why. And when you've got all the bullshit with all the Bullet Club coming down and them going away and the rest of it. Stalling shite at the beginning yeah, as well. Yeah, to a degree, yeah. He learned something it, in WWE school, didn't he? A shame it was that. Yeah. Um, but I still found myself kind of going along with this. And and enjoying it for what it was. And I suppose I'd also had quite low expectations for it. And again, I just, I don't know what it was that particular morning. I felt more invested in it. And when was the last time you had a morning or a weekend this good? Oh, trying to think. Well, actually the weird thing was I really wanted John Jones to lose. The actual real first thing I did when I got, when I switched it on, it was (laughs) Jake Watson. I watched John Jones Skip for that. It looked really good at one point. That John it Jones going to lose. Like he was done. Yeah, cheating arsehole. <laughs> and then he wins on he wins on points. And I was like, well, I thought he was going to win on points because he's John Jones. And let him go with away with everything else. I'm surely he's due. I didn't think it was as much of a controversy. Anyway, I digress. This certainly is a controversy. Four stars for this because yeah, um, I'm very much out on an island for it. I. Also, and it's going to sound crazy, I wasn't, I was kind of half expecting to wonder if they put the title on Kenta because there is something with this that they kind of got as much value out of Kenta as anyone really can do if you're looking at the sales of this at this stage of his career. Do you know what I also reckon you should have done this weekend? Mm. 
couple of strips on the lottery and a few quid and a few horses. Yeah. Because I reckon your luck would have come in this uh, week. It, it would sounded Well, I, I mean, it's possibly the Barrymore documentary going <laughs> to change my worldview and what I believe in and perhaps what, what in the Irish lottery truth is out there. It really shook you up, that. It, it did shake me up, and it shook me up during this New Japan card as well. So thank you, Michael Barrymore. <laughs> Wow, from from Night Owen Kenner to Barry, yeah. only on this podcast. Good, good oh, blade yeah. job as well. But that wasn't a blade job, I don't think. No, look, no. look hard way. That was, I think it was, it was hard, hard way. way. It was too quick. Like oh, when yeah, he came yeah, up, was, I was like, he can't have bladed that yeah. quickly. It, it, Proper crim, old school crimson mask though. Because it? my thought was, if he bladed at that point in time. Why not do that earlier in the match mm. and play into it? Yeah, because he won very quickly after the after yeah. he started bleeding, and then I thought well, it was very quickly afterwards that he got up with the blood. Like I, I must have been hard way, I reckon. But for me, this match was too long. Yeah. Like this is the prime example of thinking because it's a main event, you've got to go epic and you've got to go long, and otherwise you're not servicing fans. No. Please, promoters, think differently. Give me 15 minutes of hot, intense action where you work to both guys' strengths rather than half an hour of just ugh, monotony with, you know, a, a nice last 10 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of done on having to wait around for 20 minutes. It's like waiting for a bus. Mm. Like, I get, I used to get fed up waiting for fucking buses. You just miss one. You're there for 20 minutes waiting. This may as well may as well be a match I watch while waiting for a bus. And then I get on the bus, and it's a nice 10-minute journey, and I'm there quickly. That was how I felt about the last 10 minutes of this match. It was decent, but it took a while to fucking get there, didn't it? Mm. That's it. And that's New Japan main events, really, in general. I feel like um, Okada now... So- I think that's a bit harsh, because... Well, Okada's brought that in. They use the time well. They use the time really well. But you do get the exceptions to the rule mm. where they you don't do have to do it. Too long. Yeah, I mean, they have to do it. Mm. I think with Okada Taichi, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. It should have gone 10 minutes lo- ten minutes shorter. Yeah. Mm. And it would, still would have been a better match, if you ask me. That's it, yeah. Again, it, it's one of them. Just because it's worked doesn't mean you have to do it every time. And yeah, I think yeah. this is a good example. I still gave it three and a half, purely the half star was because of the blood. I think I was going gentleman's three until that happened. <laughs> uh, what did you give it on Grapple Joe? I went three and a half as well, but I could have easily gone 3.25. Yeah. And then I gave it the three and a half and I was uh, cleaning my teeth just afterwards and thinking, thinking about the match and thinking, oh, I should have gone 3.25, but I've not gone back and edited. So uh, yeah. that's it. The, the initial rating sticks, I reckon, Joe, I think that's fair. Yeah. Until the end of the year when we when I'll uh, reshuffle all mine. But to be oh, fair, yeah. I gave it some grief, but Grapple, the average was 3.89. Which is closer to you, JP, but at the same time, for a New Japan main event, I mean, come on. Uh, it's yeah. probably the, the weakest of uh, the final three on on that show. It's going to be interesting though, to see how much value they get out of this, because one of the things, this is where you get into the commercial aspect, really, isn't it, of, mm. of how big a draw Naito really is. And the likelihood he's going to get some kind of a run here. I don't know where are they having that anniversary show these with Hiromi. Where they oh, that's that? always in the, um, the place where they have their first show. Is it the... Um... Is it the Bunker Hall or whatever it is? The, it's about 4,000 yeah, or so, isn't yeah. it? Oh, right? fuck. The Tomato. I can't... Oh, no. You know, when yeah. you know the name of something, as soon as you hear it. Yeah. Mm. I, I, it's in the same place every year where they have the first show in 72. Um, but my theory on Naito's title reign is Jay White wins the New Japan Cup mm. and beats Naito for the belt. Oh, my God. 
I'm really worried about the long-term future of the New Japan main event scene um, because I just think over the years, when they've had to replenish talent in that main event scene, they've done a really, really good job at it. So you think um, when you introduced AJ to that main event scene, Mm -hmm. AJ and Nakamura go, you elevate Kenny, you elevate Naito. Naito's got better at that point in time. Like they did a really fine job at doing that at that point in time. And it just felt kind of seamless. Whereas at the moment, you've got Tanahashi, who feels like he's being kind of put that pushed down the card a little bit, isn't going to, you know, be in as many main events, is getting on a little bit. It feels like Naito's breaking down a little bit. Mm. And you look at the guys who are sort of there as replacements. And yeah, all right, Ibushi, great, but Ibushi seems to get injured or ill he's late quite though. a bit. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, he is. Um, but also Jay White, Sonada, like I, I do get a bit like, oh, it doesn't feel like they're replenishing with the same level of talent that they mm. had previously, and have been able to just push those guys into those mm. positions. Not going to give it to Shingo because Shingo, I think Shingo's going to be Ishi in that never spot, mm. which is a great spot for him. But it feels like the Osprey push is a long-term, slow build push rather than something they're going to pull the trigger on like they did with, say, Omega when they Mm. needed to pull that trigger. So I do wonder if we're going to get a few lean years in terms of dullish main events at points. Yeah. Sonada feels like the next guy. Like I made the joke on Twitter, Twitter Joe, but like you know, I gave some uh, some criticism at Andy Q last week. But if Andy Q was the one man to stand up to Gado and go, you know, because it was all pointing towards like a Sonada Rev Pro title run. If, if it ever comes out that Andy Q stood up to him and went, no, I'm not doing it, lads. I'm not putting my belt on Sonada. It'll be a forever a hero with me because I really feel like that's the way that was going, and I really feel like they've got huge plans for Sonada this year. Um, Maybe it was their own decision. Maybe they're skipping it and they're going straight to the world belt. Let's hope now. Oh, thing is as well though. They I do... think it's him. Or sorry, one sec, Joe. Yeah. One sec, Jay White. One yeah. sec, Jay. <laughs> fucking I'm take that. Fucking mind that yeah, bloke. Exactly. Um, I th- I think it's Jay White or Sonada that wins the New Japan Cup. And I think you, with Sonada, you got a natural story because he lost in the final last year. But sorry, mate. I was going to say actually one of the issues with this, and we we haven't mentioned it was one of the announcements on the card that's probably I suppose most relevant and necessary to Western fans. But the um, what they're going to do for the Wrestle Dynasty show at Madison Square Garden and what they're going to lead with there. Because um, in terms of headlining, I kind of assumed they were going to have Naito going into that. But I also, you know, the idea of perhaps a Naito-Abushi rematch mm. in the same arena, I'd heard that touted. That seemed like a kind of pretty obvious choice to go down. But they're going to need a big card for that. And I don't think they're going to... They might do, because they've made lots of kind of quite pig-headed decisions frankly when it comes to the american tours but having jay white in madison square garden you know the same weekend as SummerSlam, when you're kind of really trying to put yourself out there i, I, I wouldn't know about the that next takeover oh yeah exactly going head-to-head with a takeover you know would you go with that would you go with sonada you know, fucking hell. I mean, I can understand from a storyline perspective doing Sonata Naito, but it, I can't necessarily say it's something I'm particularly enjoy looking forward to. Um, it's interesting where that fits in with that. I know the Super J cast had, had pretty much predicted that that was going to be the case. We saw a schedule, might- didn't we, floating around, GP? They got, yeah, uh, got it- shared with us. <laughs> yeah. Ex- yeah, exactly. I mean, it, the only thing I would say is it'd be nice to see some sort of UK show announced possibly 
whether it's... it be before it or after it, maybe do the 31st again, I don't know. Wasn't on the schedule we saw, was it? And I think the word was. I think um, Meltzer outright said there's no British show this year. That is quite shocking, that. I wonder, like... Because I, I, I've said it, like, one of my biggest regrets is not going to the Copper Box. I didn't expect oh. it to be what it was. And that it, hopefully you guys weren't there for literally the one and only uh, proper New Japan show over here. I, I wonder whether maybe they're just thinking focus on US this year and maybe early 2021 we get another show. But it is a long time to wait, isn't it? No, it's a bit too long. I mean, it was a big success. Why wouldn't you want to capitalise it, giving it a year removed from Royal Quest? Why wouldn't you want to give it another go? It seems completely nonsensical for this. Given the, it's a very haphazard, like, kind of um, touring uh, schedule they've got when it hits to the West. It's all over the place. When it comes to some of the talent, it's fucking wild, isn't it? When you got... You go from Tanahashi to Ricky Morton to Alex Zane, and you're like, what's going on here? <laughs> and then you've got MSG. You like, say, the MSG show announced. You haven't announced in the UK. At some point, you want to go like, lads, what the fuck are you boys on? Like, I don't doubt it when you're planning a tour of Hokkaido. I'll take your word for it. You know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> but you've clearly gone to shit when it comes to putting a, another show on in the copper box. It was a massive success. Get a bit of fucking cop on, Harold. Sorry. We'll t- somebody cut this audio and send it directly to Harold because yeah. Exactly. I'm biffed about it. But yeah, I think w- one thing we can note though is like this Madison Square Garden show. If they do team up with Ring of Honor again, Joe, it sounds like under the Marty kind of a lead, at least it won't be quite what we got last time. Like he's uh, he's continuing to do the Lord's work. Apparently they've, they've announced that they're going to be putting the whole back catalogue on Honor Club. Finally. He's an off baby face oh, himself Jesus. To, to the old school ROH fans. They've announced for that. That retro show is looking fucking great. They've got, they've, they're doing Jay versus Mark Briscoe. They've got a Z, Xavier's on the show. John Walters is on the show. Doug and Gresham for the pure title. He's a proper baby face, Marty. He's, uh, he's doing it. He's doing good work in him, um, bringing back some goodwill to Ring, Ring of Honor in general. Yeah, like, i got to say, the, uh, the old show decision is an inspired decision that was well overdue and I hope they get a bit of a bump and do a good bit of promotion around those older shows as well, because that's a great catalogue they've got there. Mm. Um, I will say I do still wish at some point it goes to WWE and we get this great documentary, but you know, it may be a long time down the line yet, but we'll see. Would you want to see Special K on this show? Oh, if Jay Lethal comes out to that Special K theme, JP, I will. I'll pay myself for them to use that. Like, that's the big thing. I think I I feel like it feels wrong for them to... Bring back all like these old. They bring back the uh, Havana, the uh, Havana Pitbulls, Joe. They bring back Romero and Reyes oh, as yeah. a team. Yeah. Like, what about um, what's his bring... name? Julius Smokes. Oh, he's not announced yet, but you'd think he's on the show because Homicide is. Um, yeah. If the, if the thing is though, you if you're gonna no, bring no. all these acts out, acts out, you've got to give them like Rage Against the Machine has to be playing for the Pitbulls. Uh, you need to and Jay Lethal needs to come out as Hydro with all his special K meets to that air. Uh, what was the his song? His mum needs to be there as well. His mum as well, yeah, yeah. To the, the victims <laughs> you know they of really need. You know they really need for this Loki. <laughs> that could yeah. work. Where's and, Loki? You know what? And and the thing is, Loki will refuse to lose. But there's nothing more retro ROH than that, is there? Bring Loki yeah, exactly. in, let him do what he wants. Exactly. That's what Gabe exactly. used to do. He beat Will. Ch- I remember when Austin Aries was champion, and Loki just beat him, and it was just like, okay, it's fine, it's Loki. Like you've just got to accept that with Loki. Yeah, there's money in that. 
Jimmy Rave and Prince Nana, they need to be announced soon as well. Oh, right? yeah. Nana's still doing the rounds. You'd think, as long as Jimmy Rave hasn't burned too many bridges, he sent me mm. about four DMs asking for money. So hopefully he's not burnt any. He's going to ask, does he still need a few quid? Look, oh. He needs that embassy reunion money. He needs his status as the crown jewel once again, and it'll all be good. There you go, yeah. Get get that uh, that embassy money back. Get Alex Shelley on. On what are you more excited for, Joe? The, the ROH retro show or the Impact retro show? They're doing pretty good stuff too. They're doing um, King of the Mountain again. Uh, that's going to oh, be on there. Get in. What are the other announcements, JP? There's been a few recently, hasn't there? I'm trying to think of the other ones on there. They haven't announced Monty Brown yet. That's the big one. <laughs> that's the one I want to see. Who have they announced? Uh, I know he's trying to either get Russo or Dixie Carter to appear on the show. Yeah, I mean Russo. I'm like they should yeah. get Russo and Mike Johnson together. They could have it out about the email, possibly. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> or they're doing Ultimate X as well. Uh, yeah, Scott Steiner's been announced. I'm trying to find other stuff. Uh, I don't know. I feel like ROH is maybe pipping them for my excitement right now, but I don't know. There's there's lots of um, bad impact still to mine. When is the Ring of Honor retro show? That's March the 13th, I think. It's like randomly in the middle of March. Okay, okay. They had, that, they had that free show this weekend, didn't they? Where, like, again, Marty being a bit of a savant in this stuff just gave away free tickets to try and get people to come to the show. But unfortunately, it wasn't free on Fight or anywhere, so they kind of missed the trick there. But I think this... Ah. Uh, I thought it was paired with this retro show, but I think it's its own uh, standalone it, thing. It sound, I think that might be the same weekend as the Crockett Cup, that retro show. Oh, yeah, that would make sense, yeah. Oh, oh what are you sorry. doing here? I, I don't know, an advert came on here when I was looking on the Impact Twitter feed trying to find <laughs> out if there's any more updates for what's, what's got on there other than the King of the Mountain match. Chris Saban, that's another one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've got a tweet here, speaking of Jay Lethal, of, Cla- of uh, Jay Lethal versus Ric Flair from Victory Roads 2010 on their uh, Impact Plus app. i tell you what, one thing I am a bit devastated about regarding the Ring of Honor retro show is a lot A lot of the guys who have signed up. So like Adam Pearce signed up, BJ Whitmer signed up to AW. I don't know what Brent Albright's up, up to, but I wouldn't mind a reunion of the Hangman 3, that classic stable. I think it's just you on that one, Jeff. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, Brent Albright. Yeah, you don't remember Brent Albright. Isn't he dead? I first of all thought you meant Gary Albright, who wrestled nah, in Albright. Nah, I thought nah. he's dead. Gunner Scott, mate, in a, in on SmackDown for a couple of episodes. Benoit's protege for about oh, two weeks. That yeah. was it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I can remember that. Bloody hell! There you go. Morishima, get him in for the retro show. He needs a few quid, doesn't he? <laughs> he was in a bad fucking way. Apparently, Wildcat Chris Harris has been announced. No James Storm yet, though. We've got the, we need the four uh, those one. Disco Inferno, Ken Anderson, D'Lo Brown, Petey Williams. Amazing that's all right. Well, we still need the Flying Elvises. Maybe the Johnsons. <laughs> we can um, the, have they announced Don West? More the point. Kevin Don- Nash. <laughs> Kevin Look, Nash, and Kevin the Nash doing the thing with Alex Shelley and Jay yes. Lethal. Paparazzi, that's what I want to see. Yeah. Just um, for Nash in general. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, enough on retro shows. We, uh... I've just remembered the weekend that that Ring of Honor retro show is. It's the same weekend as Kevin Nash at St. Mary's Stadium. Oh, oh, and the same weekend as OTT. Oh, it's all coming together now. Oh, what a weekend that is. <laughs> that really is, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's putting Barrymore to, uh, to shame. I was going to say, does it beat March 31st, 2001? You're going to get a tour around Southampton that day as well, mate. So, And I know you're up for that, aren't you? I am well up for that. I'll show you some sights. Yeah. <laughs> we've, uh, we've done Walton, as I uh, 
and we've done a bit of Kirkdale as well. And yeah, I've, I've done North. Lo- I've done North London. You've done North London. Times, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've done a little bit of Oxford, but yeah, Southampton. It's time. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we go, I should move us on because we didn't really get a chance to speak it last week and there was like a big happening this week. Uh, AEW, I uh, don't know if uh, you've got more, more thoughts on last week's show, but I did think this week's show, it, you know, for, for the majority, it was just a show. Like there was solid matches, but I felt like that it's mainly, it's a, it's a one talking point segment show as far as big talking points come from it i thought the cody mjs segment was absolutely brilliant i loved it it was it, it i kind of said on twitter it was coming in a week where i'd seen osprey osprey zach saber i'd seen eddie kingston cut that killer speaking of retro ring of honor he cuts this killer promo on nwa joe where he talks about homicide being the king of new york and that he'd almost committed suicide once and Homicide had saved him. And he cuts this just amazing promo putting Homicide over. But I was kind of saying in the same week, we got one of the best matches of the year, one of the best promos of the year. And for me, I don't know where you both sound, but one of the best angles in the year. I thought like this was, it was well built. It did well as far as like a, a rating it sounds like as well, as far as a good segment goes. I thought it might be corny going in. But I honestly thought MJF and Cody were were no perfect in their segments. Nobody does the uh, the selling quite like uh, Cody at the moment, and kind of his like his facial expressions and body language getting the fans to to go along with him. I thought MJF he was had maybe a few ropey weeks. I thought he was at his strongest here. I'd get you know if I was going to grade that I'd give it an A plus as far as like big segments go. I thought this was perfect. I almost wish there was a pay per view next week with their match because I desperately. It made me more into this match than, than I've been these last couple of months. I thought it was uh, an absolutely perfect way to, to cap off the show. Um, I hope you agree. Uh, yeah, I, I I can't knock anything you say. I don't. I wouldn't say I was as invested in it. Mm. Um, but yeah, you can't knock it. It was great for what it was. Proper pro wrestling guys. Yeah, played their roles incredibly well. Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly there, to be honest, Benno. And it's cool to do a big rating because it shows that a well-built to angle like this, mm-hmm. where you're doing something that would be considered kind of, probably by that lot, uh, old hat. Yes. The, you know, putting a new spin, what old is, what's old is new and all the rest of it. And it's working mm-hmm. and it's getting a, a great rating for him as well. Because you'd said last week that you weren't feeling as invested in MJF. Or was it too? I'm still, I'm, yeah, I'm not. Did I'm, this do anything? I was, I was no, wondering. Too. No, I enjoyed it for what it was. Mm. I got it. I wasn't, so I wouldn't say I was like on the edge of my seat or as into it as, say, Benno was. Mm. But I got why it worked. I, mm. Like From an objective standpoint, I completely get it. I'm just not feeling the feud. I, I really like mm. Cody. I just I don't know what it is of MJF for me. There's just something there that it doesn't connect to me at all. And I think I'm it's partly my own personal view of the feud because mm. of the way they've executed it and the way they've had to kill time mm. to get to this point. Yeah, they thought rather than doing I don't know like a Triple H Batista style feud for months and months and months where you intricately tell the story to get to this this big mm. point in the feud so that's my problem but you can't deny that it was a very well executed angle that there was genuine emotion in the crowd people were really into it the rating tells a story there mm. and the reaction people afterwards tells the story there so for what it was i thought yeah you couldn't they mm. couldn't, couldn't any better with it they dragged it out well they actually timed it well because this mm. could have been like it goes a few minutes longer and it's too long that's true you you wo- you wheel through it, then they don't and have got any TV meaning. time to think of too. 
Exactly. So the way they did it, and I also like just that little finale of the fact that they, you know, they managed to lift Cody up and he just kits him in the knackers and runs into the crowd with Wardlow. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. Like, was, I thought that, that was, was brilliant. brilliant. And just the sheer pace they ran with as yes. well. It's like, that was, I like, I don't like the, if you're running, you're fucking running. Yes. So, and that for me was kind of work. You don't want everyone behind you to have to fake it. Yeah. Exactly, it's that chicken, you know, building away from that kind of I do of love the running the crowd stuff that yeah. AEW have allowed them to do. Like, there is something quite cool visually about yeah. it. Like, it does remind me of WCW mm. quite a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, uh, Savage and DDP would do stuff in the crowd. Mm. Yeah, it reminds me of that few. DDP was always doing it, wasn't he? Running yeah, up the crowd yeah, to do yeah. the diamond. Yeah, and it's it worked for this, and it's, you know, it's can they build on this? What's the next stipulation they've got? doing the cage thing aren't they next week is the cage thing next week is it yeah and crew was putting this forward like what do you think about this as an idea like what if what if you know after the the lashing and then after the cage beat down what if we get to the pay-per-view and cody's literally too injured to do the match and they drag it out and they do the match later on is that the type of thing AEW could get away with in 2020? Nah, no. I, I, that's, that's way too risky when you you're running full pay-per-views a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah I suppose so, if there was another got, one coming sooner. Yeah, mm. it, and it's, it's WWE have set a precedent with it. I think you could do a match that's almost like an angle-based match. Where and MJF goes fucked, over. And it play, yeah, and it plays yeah. into an MJF win, and then you build to another win, you get another pay-per-view out of it. That makes sense. Totally see that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go down that route because... You're kind of not serving your customers at that point, and you think about it. You don't want to be known for not putting, not not putting out what you're advertising, yeah, exactly. not without a kind of legitimate excuse. And there are two big feuds of this pay per views being built around, really, aren't there? And this is one of them. And you think this might be the feud that a lot of people are buying the pay per view for, and you don't want to run off potential consumers by not yeah. delivering on your promise that early on. I, I think that's a way too risky move for them. But I like the idea of doing that, of like, yeah, making, because I think MJF should go over after all this. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, Cody I can take well. the loss and you could do that and you could have it like there's the there's that asterisk on it and Cody can use that and they can build to another match and tell a, carry on telling a longer story. I'm not against that in any way. Yeah, and I would set a stipulation to the second match they have as well where Cody, if he beats MJF, uh, can compete for the title again. Because think about the Jericho stipulation um, from that match. You could undo that stipulation in some way as well. So I think they do need to do that because it feels like Cody is the guy still, mm. I think, mm. to take the title from Jericho at some point. So if they could attach that in some way or there's something with MJF getting I actually figure they shot, tie in with the War Games match. If they, if they still go in that direction. Yeah. I mentioned that in a long time. It felt like WWE fucked that, didn't that. it? WWE having like the two on the same night made them think, ah, yeah. maybe not. Yeah, I still think there's potential for it down the line because, you know, the inner circle is still a big thing. Um, I suppose Hangman Page wouldn't be in it if they did it did it at some point because there's obviously that feud going on as well, which I've got to say, I'm loving the... Me too. The Omega, yeah, yeah. Hangman, Young Buck stuff. I think... That's the feud in AEW that I'm most into right now. Like Hangman has well and truly found himself. Yeah. And he's found himself in a way I didn't see happening. His comic timing is great. Mm. <laughs> like <laughs> he's genuinely funny. He's genuinely he feels organic when it comes to playing this character. And the kind of slow burn stuff is obvious, but it's good. And it's the kind of plotting that I like to see in wrestling. He's also the face. Oh yeah, that's the that's the yeah. fascinating thing about this dynamic. He is the person yeah. you have sympathy with because he is frankly the overlooked one out of out of all of them. And, and he's Kenny's not... a knob, let's all be honest. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's not like he's a sympathetic figure in all of this no. as well. Like you kind of like, and this is one of the great things about it is like it, 
in some ways it was like a really good way of tying into whatever dissatisfaction you might feel about the kind of the way that the Bucks and Omega are kind of spinning their wheels since the start of the company. Mm. And they've worked it in a way of getting Paige in there as well, where it's it's good and it tells that bigger story of the kind of dissolution of it all as well and about the kind of rivalry of of ideas and everything else and and what you know where it goes from there so i mean i i think this is who, sorry go on who turns on who though jp that's what i was going to ask before like do you, do you think it's as simple oh, as as he goes heel could he be the baby no face? i don't think they turn him heel i don't think he goes heel if he turns I think he goes I, by himself i think they're gonna want i think the crowd are gonna want him to turn yeah but i think the crowd is still gonna be with it's gonna be a weird turn it's gonna be a turn but i don't think there's gonna be like a a double turn, a, a dynamic that comes heel or face. I think it's just going to end up being some sort of like face versus face shades of grey type dynamic. Mm-hmm. I think it's a risk to turn the Bucks face. I think you can turn a mega heel, um, but then you yeah. kind of end up kind of splitting that faction, don't you, in effect, if you do that. So it's quite a weird balance in that, but they've kind of got to play with this because I think they're on to something with Hangman. But you know what yeah. would fix, like, you know what we've complained about, like Omega's use on AEW? if he was, like, the top heel, if they made him, like, yeah. this, this dastardly, yeah. you know, cleaner Kenny Omega style with the big leather jacket and the glasses again, that would rehab everything that's gone wrong with Omega so And he, sp- he splits with the Young Bucks, Paige stays with the Young Bucks, they become some sort of new elite or something. Yeah. No more goofy okay. shit, serious Kenny Omega. I'd be down yeah. with that. Yeah, not the worst idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah, saying as soon as you start to put that thought in there, that seems like a, a kind of much more interesting path as well. They lose the belt, he turns on the young bucks, maybe. Yeah. Mm, I would still yeah, say potential, a lot of that, sorry to bring it back to that, if you did a War Games match, in some ways you can get to a lot of these stories all at the same time in the same place. But that's... Yeah. yeah. I know, it's a big hyper thing. It's, it's just about hoping that they give it if they've learned anything from the MJF Cody feud is giving it time to breathe mm. and everything else. And I, and I, I, my fear is that they end up wanting to kind of do some sort of nat orthodox turn with Kate, with um, page at the pay-per-view. And I'd be pissed off if that's, the I case. mean, it's quite a hard one to navigate though. Because it is a the character one. dynamics that are in play where you go with it. It's working now as well, isn't it? Mm. If anything, so I'm hoping tone is, you know, taking charge here. He's not thinking well, through. Sounds like he is. I'm hoping he's not thinking through Fulham's potential transfers too much. He's even had to Scott <laughs> Parker. Uh, it's a weird one, isn't it? A owner of a wrestling company in Scott Parker you know, yeah. in one sentence. And he's sorting the transfers out of Fulham at the moment. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, the Jaguars apparently doing two shows, two shows, two matches at Wembley, aren't they, as well? He's going to be a busy I, man, Arto. I think one of them's a White Hart Lane. Is it really? Yeah, you go, yeah. That's a. There's a big thing about them wanting loads of games there. Am I going? No. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't give money to that stadium. I don't Fair give money. To, no. <laughs> Did money it once in night. Well, actually, ninety four. I was given the ticket when I went to the away game there. But well, you went to an Arsenal Spurs away game, did you? Fucking horrible. Atmosphere. Yeah. Pissed it down that night. Yeah. Oh, one, right. one two nil. Ian Wright scored both. Oh, get in. Yeah, yeah. Good nice. night for you, eh? It was. <laughs> like this weekend. And it was, and <laughs> there we go. And it was raining. <laughs> and it was raining. Yeah, yeah. It's a well. pattern here. Yeah. Why does it? Well, you can't have a rainbow without the rain. Why does it always why rain it always on JP? Rain on me. Yeah. <laughs> why is it? Travis, sakes, fuck's sake! No. See, if we if end it there. Some great music that comes out of Scotland, <laughs> yeah. though. Lots of great musicians in Scotland. Simple Minds, Rod Stewart, Great okay. Country Joe. Yeah, just to name a few. Yeah, I love the Scots. Girlfriend's Scottish, so you know, technically. Oh, that's nice. 
I didn't think you were a racist, Joe, so that's good. Um, anyway. <laughs> On that note. Anything more in AW, lads? Uh, one thing I also loved on this show was I really I, I thought the eight man that where the whole page buck stuff came out of was a really great match, especially for TV yeah. man. And they told what? a story in it too with the with the Omega. It was like a spot match, but they also told like the Omega Hangman story within it. I yeah. love that about it. Yeah, yeah, and I thought that was a really it progressed stuff really effectively. But I also really liked the Moxley um, oh. Ortiz match. Yeah, I that was a really fun match. What I a fucking star Moxley is. Yeah, but also yeah. stuff like the commentary from Jericho and Guevara, all the stuff going around the match was great. It was perfect kind of like TV angle-based match and mm. wrestling one. The stuff with the eye was awesome. The way that they progressed that, I thought the Santana's promo, promo that was fucking awesome. Like, he I tied thought, it into the stuff. I think he lost his dad not long before that as well. Oh, stuff like Yeah, yeah, wow. like a couple of weeks before that, and he tied it in there with that as well. And he was like, okay. That's the version. Sorry, yeah. You, you no, were no, no. Carry on. And that's the version of kind of Santana and Ortiz that I kind of really want to see. Yeah, that kind of angry, fired up version. When I watched of that promo, I was thinking, and it's interesting you mentioned it earlier, but I was thinking, this is pure Eddie Kingston. Mm. Like, they, all yeah, that time he's been with Eddie Kingston has yeah. been paying off here because like, I can see Eddie Kingston when I'm watching this promo. Oh. When, when he did his um, NWA promo, he was kind of oh. saying, I've got no backup here, but you know, because some of my boys are, are busy elsewhere. And he did like the LAX symbol to the to the camera i was like i love that little nod there you know the other universes exist sorry nah good on him but yeah great promo that got me kind of really interested in that match mm. this week as well if anything so i'll be honest there's stuff on this show that i skipped through as well like yeah um some of the women's stuff i think the aw women's division is weak to say the least well, it's, um it's not brandy's you know, fault you know joe, joe we found that out today uh, <laughs> apparently yeah, yeah uh, as you were saying did you mention that on the podcast no was I, I was listening to Observer Live before we, right, literally right before we recorded I'm sure it'll be out there now as a news story but like Brandy did a, an interview with Alvarez where after 10 minutes of talking to her about like her being a news reporter or something he finally asked her about what happened with the Nightmare Collective and she proper threw and this is my interpretation but based on news reports recently it sounded like she threw Kenny Omega under the bus like she outright said she didn't like doing she she was the one who killed her in the end because she wasn't enjoying it she outright didn't want to do that you know that shite match where she did the commentary and ruined it she was like i didn't want to do any of that uh it didn't go the way i wanted to it she was almost like kind of criticizing the other performers in the group as well but the biggest thing was she was saying yeah this wasn't my idea this was coming from a, a another part of creative i think is the way she worded it and if you believe reports, the other part of the women's division creative is Kenny Omega. So maybe I need to walk back some of the uh, the abuse I gave uh, Brandy for her part in uh, killing this women's division off. And, you know, if she took any part in killing this, good on her, because it was absolutely... <laughs> what I saw of it was absolutely awful. Yeah. 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 And what? I, I kind of hope we don't have to see anything from her in-ring ever again. Yeah, she's terrible. Yeah. I think if there's if there's one real lesson from it, that's one of the things to say. Although I will say to their credit, it sounds like a really bizarre thing to credit them for. They killed it quickly. If this is dead, if they've done that and they've realised this is shit, get rid because that's something that WWE don't do. That's something they. It's like no, we're getting this over. That's how this is. Hmm. Can barely hear you, Benno. Oh, sorry, mate. The uh, the cat just pulled something else. <laughs> Can hey. you hear me now? That can hear you loud and clear, so. Sorry. Um, 
But yeah, sorry, anything else on AEW then? I think that's it. That's it, pretty yeah, much it. Yeah. Good, good show, I thought, this week. There you go. I'm a big fan. Um, I was going to say that, like, I think the big thing for me is that, like you alluded to earlier, Joe, Tony Khan is taking control. It feels like, feels like things are just flowing nicely. They've got a pay-per-view to build to. They're really kind of just got... Just I, I think those weeks where they didn't have anything to aim for were the worst weeks, but also those weeks with all the, the brandy nonsense and mm. over overuse of the dark or the stuff that kind of has felt like it's gone away. And if the again, if the reports are right, it sounds like Big Tone's taking a bit more control. And I think if that's mm. true, then good. Hopefully, we get more of that. It's almost like you know he's tried to impress the kind of sort of cool kids around school he's invited them back to join in his ewr session they've gone in and fucked it up and he's gone right i need to take control of this for a bit and that's what he's done sounds like he's like the, um the sort of stifler in american pie and they're like the other lands in american pie now they go we'll go around stifflers for the big parties yeah tones the money man here we're a fulham in the championship by the way what's tones mum like then in that case i've not sorry there he goes yeah I'd like to find out. <laughs> That'd be an angle, oh, wouldn't Fulham, it? Fulham a third. Oh, yeah. Joint, joint appointed with Leeds. So let's hope that, you know, it's all in hand at Fulham, carries on smoothly. They get playoffs. I'd like to see Leeds come up. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a Leeds fan, but I'd like to see him come up. It's been too long. And I want to see Bielsa in the Prem. Mm. Uh, but let's hope, you know, Fulham get playoffs as well. And have a trip to Wembley for Tone. It's all in hand. And, you know, he can leave it to that lot and just carry on with AEW. Yeah. Um, so I suppose actually I was going to end the show, but um, I, I did. Uh, we did get a last minute uh, tweet in from a uh, from a Matty Edwards. Uh, wanted me to ask you a question, Joe. Um, he says, best "Oh yeah, that's always <laughs> worrying when I hear Matty Edwards and question." I feel Here like we go. is it going to be something to do with like WWE in two thousand five or something? Oh no, he just says the best TV theme ever is a three way toss up between Minder, Cheers, and Only Fools and Horses. Is there any he's forgotten about? I do, I do like all of those theme tunes. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought you'd be the um, one to ask. Hmm, let's have a think. The professionals, I would say, is an awesome one. I know it's going back a bit, a bit esoteric, but sorry, the sitcom starring Ronnie Corbett. Never quite seen a it. Wacky theme tune to that. Airwolf, I quite like that theme yeah. tune. I go with Magnum PI yeah. as, as a good classic one. Oh yeah, yeah. I love the Kirby enthusiasm theme tune. I was thinking, I don't, uh. I was thinking that. Like, that's probably, I don't think like, that's an original piece, though, is it? Yeah, I think it's stock music they've just taken, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like the Always Sunny theme. They did the same thing. Yeah. Ah, oh, God. He's stumped me a little bit on this one. I feel like I've got to... Uh, I said the a 18, good hard but also Succession. Only Fools and Horses up there, though. Oh, with a, and the two theme yeah. tunes as well. You've got the beginning one, you've oh. got the end theme oh, tune. Yeah, yeah. Can I say, uh, we, we forgot about the theme, the opening to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that might be the one, actually. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to give us a yeah. go, Joe? Or... <laughs> we had no. a Joe Raff. <laughs> no, you got to have me singing last week. <laughs> Shame. We never did get that full verse. What, what's oh. Matty Edwards' favourite TV show? Uh, I don't know. I'll have to ask him. Uh, trying to think. It'll probably do the Monday Night Raw, to be honest. <laughs> 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 or actually probably more likely SmackDown because of the, uh, the Randy Orton years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be up there, though. Is he still making his way throughout Nexus Collection? I think he is. I think he is. Oh, uh, right, so, say, tell you what, though. WWE Network collapses. If they take it down entirely, who's going to be laughing? It's going to be Matty and his mates with all the DVDs they got off Chris Platt. So, you know, yeah. maybe he's going to win at the end, these uh, these people with this physical media. 
Yeah. One Foot in the Grave. That was a good theme Ooh, tune. Oh, that was a really good one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm really thinking, you know. I like the Wire theme tune. Uh, oh, which one, though? Which series, though, for the Wire? I think the original uh, for me. Number one. Uh, yeah, yeah the I'd go with the original, yeah. Uh, Sopranos. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. The end themes on Sopranos are always great. I had like a, a couple of CDs of the different, you know, because you choose different songs. Oh, yeah. David Chase yeah. had great taste in music. The John Cooper Clark ending when he does Chicken Town. Yeah, That's the, right, yeah. The, oh, oh, my God. That one is. Is it the one where AJ tries to commit suicide and ends with that? It's yeah. like, fucking hell. <laughs> Leak. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Will Cooling put in a last minute vote for Pingu as a theme. Don't know. But, oh, I love a bit of Pingu. <laughs> Pingu's all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say, you know. Oh, Poddington Peas. I don't even Down know at is. the bottom of the garden, <laughs> between the birds and the bees. You know the one? There is a lot of little people called the Paddington Peas. Well, we got our closing theme. Big break. Big break. Big break's a great Big one. break. We've used that one before. Yeah, yeah but it is a classic. We're ending with Paddington Peas then in that case. We're, we're, everyone will already know the intro, intro by now. We're closing with that. We got Barrymore as a title. Easy podcast to put together this week, lads. It really is. Good intro it? as well. What you know? Barrymore picture? There's the question. Oh, yeah. You got a shout, Joe? The quintessential one. There are, there are too many. And do we need a separate picture of a pool for th- thermometer as well? <laughs> and a picture of Lubbock. Oh, <sighs> God, no, let's not. <laughs> poor, poor Stu. Yeah, poor he Stu. is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anywho, uh, should we get out of here? We've gone long yeah. enough. <laughs> all right. 12. Right. Any plugs, JP? Anything we need to mention? Download, grapple, all that stuff. Uh, anything else? Yeah. It's, it's, all the, it's all the usual stuff. All good. Fair enough. Yeah, so download Grapple, follow JP on Twitter at JPGP, follow me at Benson Richie D, and yeah, we'll be at your call Friday, so there'll be a review of that coming uh, next week as well as uh, everything else going on in wrestling. So yeah, with, uh, with that said, we'll, uh, we'll be back next Monday night. Bye! Down at the bottom of the garden Among the birds and the bees A little lot of little people They call the parting to thieves Creepy black eyed green dumpling Keep it a secret now, please They're simply happy and they're sweetly And all the party to peace The party to peace There is a lot of little people Caught the party to peace Yeah, classic Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts.